Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. We are back a little early, and I'm on the wrong side of the screen. That's fine. I can fix that. Um, there Ooh. we go. Um, we're, we're, we're back a little bit early from our hiatus because there were a lot of things that we wanted to talk about, and we didn't want to wait till mid-January to do it. Um, and we got a big announcement for you guys also towards the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But, of course, I am Brandon C. McClure. Uh, today we are not joined by Ben Magnet, but we are joined by Sparks Witty. Yes, I am here. Somehow. And Ryan Eliopoulos. Somehow the Fake Nerd Podcast returned. <laughs> Somehow the Fake Nerd Podcast. Hmm, that'd be a good tagline for later down the year. Um, all right. So uh, we got uh, a, a lot to get through today because, um, you know, with the strikes, what I didn't quite expect was that a lot of the things that were that would have been kind of dispersed throughout the year uh, and waited toward and, and, and normally the uh, industry takes uh, like two weeks off for the holidays. What I didn't expect was a lot of stuff would be pushed to that end of the year uh, to start to start getting like these delayed marketing uh, 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 things going. Um, so we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. But how are you guys? How was your Christmas? It was lovely. It was not. It was not bad. It's pretty yeah. good. I got to see some family I haven't seen in like a decade, which is oh. which is very fun. Very nice. You guys get everything you wanted. Santa, I, Santa, I, Santa Claus, Santa Claus came down the chimney for everything. I I live with this guy, so like every day is Christmas in my house. <laughs> so like you know, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, I got presents. I got a lot of ramen from my mom, which is great because like uh, if she can't get me a lot of stuff for Christmas, because you know she's as poor as I am, she can get me the food I like. So that's you, you know, you and I got AAA. Oh, you got AAA too? Yeah, I'm joined oh. I, because you get like one person in your household with you. Yeah, I'm your one person. Yeah, uh, I got AAA, which after my destructive car accident from earlier in the year is like that's pretty good to have. So I got everything I could want and more. Thank you for asking, Brendan. Um, don't forget uh, the beginning of the year is bills time, which is God. Um... Every, every month is bills time. <laughs> what about you, Brandon? How was your Christmas? That was quite good. It was quite lovely. Um, I I had a I I, I got um. Uh, this wasn't a Christmas gift from anyone. This was a a, a a Kickstarter, but I got the Klaus hardcover that I that I posted on on Twitter. Um, Just in time uh, for Christmas. So mad I didn't take part in that. Um, I didn't have the at the time, but I was like, I have to let this one go. Yeah, I I I also would would have had to let that one go, but I convinced my mother to uh, invest for my birthday. This, the standard <laughs> version is just needlessly ugly. I haven't. I don't know if I saw the like standard. The cover. I just mean the cover. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the uh, standard edition. I'm like, you did all of it. Like, it's it, don't do the hard leather cover and all that stuff. But like, good lord, just use like the same a better image. Image like the the it's it's literally just like him in profile on white. And I'm like, oh, that's generic right. poster image. Yeah, it's it's so needlessly ugly. I'm like, this sucks, man. Ho ho no. Yeah. Oh no. Um. Yeah. I got the silver edition. I wanted the gold one because I like the way the gold one. But I I got the silver one, and I I I. God damn! I love it. It's beautiful. Uh. The the uh. It's like a felt cover, not a leather mm. cover. It's like a felt cover. God damn. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Beautiful. It was really. It was really cool. Uh. I was like, I do want a really nice Claus Compendium, but that is, um, it was just too expensive. I got my way I to, to space. Go. My way to space hardcover. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Yeah. That Claus yeah, right. one nice but i'm like i can't do this for every book i like but what what you know you know what ryan you and i actually got the same christmas gift this year triple a back pain 
Oh, yeah. Boy, how many? <laughs> Don't worry. It only hurts when I'm standing, walking, or sitting. Yeah, 100%. It's awful. God, Merry Christmas to us. Was it that you shifted or just stood up when we were doing a recording? Dude, it was in the middle of us talking about Scott Pilgrim. And then, like, I just moved. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And then I couldn't walk for two days. <laughs> oh, God. Stupid. Um, I was I was working... Um, I was working and and I um uh, on Monday I was like oh my back hurts that's fine yeah. so I kind of kept going and like until Thursday and I was like oh I can barely walk and so I had yeah. to tell my boss I was like hey I can't really do my job right now and so they sent me to the thing and they're like you we don't know we can't we're not doctors we can't tell you what you have but it sounds like you've got this um what's the word sciatica it yeah. sounds like you've got sciatica and I'm like that sounds great. That sounds like something I'm going to have to live with forever. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got, uh, uh, you can't see on my desk, but I got icy hot and an icy hot roller pad and three different medications. Like I'm living, I'm living the dream. Yeah. It's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Dream of back pain. Yeah. Sparks, you didn't say how good your, how your Christmas was. Uh, yeah, I did a little, I like it. It was good. It was, it was the same as Ryan. So, uh, I just kind of added on to it because, you know, we were here together. Um, it was nice. A uh, friend of the podcast, Forrest, was with us, uh, which was lovely. Obviously, like the family that lives here and uh, my mother-in-law also came over. And um, yeah, it was it was very simple, very quiet, very kind. Uh, we were silent the whole time. We just hand each other, get silent. You know, what did, what did, uh, oh, we, you know, we watched Doctor Who. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> and something else that did we all like did together. Did we watch something else? Or we played games. We did play games. So it was fun. I got uh, Zara the I'm um, Actually board game for Christmas. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know they made a board game. That's dope. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of my Christmas funds on the Dropout store this year. <laughs> hey, it's, if if you're going to buy anybody's merch, like they're, they're like the best people to do it. Because yeah. um, I also got Kirk, um, a friend, friend of mine, Kirk, uh, uh, for the audience. Um, we I got him the um, Fantasy High dice set, so it's it's uh, all D twenties in the style of the Fantasy High characters. That's dope. Yeah, it's so cool that really they have cool. like that much different type of merch too. So like you can you can go you can go hard on like different types of stuff. They've got a plush for Galir, who if you don't know for the audience, Galir is like this elf, this like wood elf character in Fantasy High, who's just the saddest divorced dad ever um like literally in the second campaign he's just killed multiple times because he's just a normal person um so he's got like five hit points and, and so they they made a plush and it's like the it has like a pull string where where, where brennan will quote like things uh, that galir has said it's really funny hearing you brennan hearing you say the word second campaign is like the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life because you you fully transitioned. You're here. Welcome. It's so good. It's so cool. Oh, and it. the third campaign is starting in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited. Hell yeah. So stoked. Anyway, that was fun. Christmas is always fun. I hope you guys had a good Christmas for the audience and I hope you guys got everything, all the wonderful things you got. Um, but uh, we have some things that I want to bring up before we get into our news, some things in the description, if that is okay. Uh, speaking of Christmas gifts, our holiday annual, as always, we release a fun holiday special uh, for, for our audience and for ourselves to kind of like bring in the festive season that dropped on Christmas Eve. I hope you guys went to see it, uh, getting some good views. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, fake Nerds Watch uh, for Loki. 
the entire series for Loki, uh, one through one through three and four through five, those, four through six. Those are two different episodes. Those are both out as well as Invincible three through four and Monarch Legacy of Monsters five through six and Lower Decks five through ten. So lots of Fickner's washes went out there this week. Uh, yeah. So enjoy and those. Uh, lower Decks were officially <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> cats being cats. Um, with uh lower decks out we're officially out of our strike releases yeah that was that was exciting um yeah i might talk a little bit about uh the 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 lower decks one because that was a um i'll talk about that at the end of the episode there's something i want to bring up about uh, specifically about uh lower decks that i'll that i'll talk about um in relation to a kind of a big announcement but yeah, so um, uh, Invincible, great season. Uh, only the, we only it's the season is done for the year. So those first two episodes, uh, first four episodes are are up, and we recover. We did the two and twos, Loki, obviously. So fun stuff. Um, our Godzilla minus one cinephiles went up since we last yeah. uh, did an episode. Very exciting. That movie's incredible. You'll get to hear it again. You'll get to hear us uh, talk about that movie again on our top 15s. I feel very confident in saying it's in all of ours. Um, Unless it's not in Ben's. I can't imagine it wouldn't be in Ben's. It's, it's that it's the best Godzilla movie he's ever seen. So if it's not, like, what's on his list? Yeah, right. Um, I, and just, then... I, I just went through for the top 15s everyone's predictions, and Ben's were were wild. Um, Dude, in I, some cases. I gotta tell you, I forgot that we do that. I I think my list is gonna be like a hundred percent completely different. Yeah, that's so yeah. different. You're you you're really funny, and, and we'll get into why uh, in in that episode. But um, you were very committed to like your top one was cemented. Uh, everything else was in flux, and I know your top one is no longer correct. <laughs> what is my top one? Your top one was Tears of the Kingdom. Oh yeah, that's the, <laughs> wow. <laughs> maybe my top five we'll see yeah that's great that's funny i still have mine i can look we don't have the time um we'll do it on the i'll do it on the episode um and then the final episode that was released is the fickner book club um for dr dr doom um volume one and two pottersville and bedford falls that was ryan's pick yep 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 doom buggies a couple more book clubs to come uh you guys are finishing up scott pilgrim um couple of Fickner's watches to come. You guys will finish up Monarch Legacy of Monsters. That's um, true. And uh, yeah, cool. Bob's your uncle. Also, a, all Scott Pilgrim stuff, except for the video game, uh, is coming to the feed. Yep. Scott Pilgrim Cinephile's on its way, and so is eventually an animation station on that show. Choo-choo! And the video, not the video game, but not for the lack of trying. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about um, that on something i think the moot i think the cinephile yeah um well all right so that's all the links in the description uh both in audio and video format uh wherever you can find them please check them out enjoy them uh we Mm. enjoy doing them um so uh uh, there you go so why don't we get into the news that we wanted to cover this week um which i will bring up our little news mascot here um We'll start as we always start with an in memoriam. By the way, Happy New Year's Eve! It's New Year's Eve when we're recording this. Happy New Year's Eve, everyone! I hope sure. I hope the twenty twenty four treats you well. This, this yeah. is. I don't think we've ever recorded on New Year's Eve before. Yeah, we've never done that. We've always been on hiatus till like uh, roughly early January. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Happy New Year's Eve. Uh, hope twenty twenty four treats you well. Um, but okay, so uh, we have uh, some sad news to discuss before we get into um, other things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this one uh, was not a, a, an actor that I was overly familiar with, but you guys were um, James McCaffrey. I am familiar with him. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever played. I don't I don't think he played any of those games, but that's OK. Because like one that came out in the 90s. Max Payne, right? Yeah. 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 I played Max Payne. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So James McCaffrey <clears throat> is the voice of Max Payne in Max Payne 1 and 2. Uh, he's done a voice in every single Remedy game. They make Control and Alan Wake and Quantum mm-hmm. Remedy. Um, he is like, he has a smaller like filmography as opposed to some like, like a Troy Baker or something. But his like legacy is cemented because of Max Payne, which was like the hottest game of all time when it came out. It made a really bad movie with Marky Mark, like maybe one of the worst castings of all time <laughs> for being a character like that. But he has a, such a great, beautiful, gravelly voice. Anytime Mark Wahlberg's cast in a video game, it's, it's doomed. always it's, it's doomed. always the worst casting. It's one hundred percent true. Mark and Mark, get off my Apple TV Plus promotions, please. Um, James McCaffrey uh, is a legend. Uh, he has such a he has such a deep like ravelly voice, and he's so good for like detective noir stuff, which he did in Max Payne's one, two, and three. And then he was in Control, which is maybe I think I'm moving Mass Effect away to being Control being my favorite game of all time. And he plays director Zacharias Trench in that game. And his voice is literally in your ears and on the screen at all times. Cause like, it's about a mystery of like why he died and all this stuff. And then he comes all the way back this year, just a couple months ago in Max Payne, Max Payne in Alan Wake two, not playing Max Payne <clears throat> because they don't know the rights to Max Payne, but he's literally playing Max Payne. It's the same oh, uh, motion capture voice actor. It is. He's a detective working with the FBI. Like it's just Max Payne. They can't call him Max Payne. And he's so good. He's so incredible. And, and throughout the years, do they, do they just call him like the detective? No, his name is Alex Casey. Uh, because, and like, he's in like a bunch of movies. So it's like sure. cold case Casey and murder Casey. Cause it's like a murder case. Uh-huh. Um, but like his, he is like, like one of the foundational like great voice actors of our generation and like the fact that he continued <laughs> to work uh he also did a lot of tv shows i just didn't watch any of them he's like in a lot of uh, like cop shows yeah um because he's just really good at being that role but like it's such a shame because like he's so incredible in, in alan wake 2 and then like just like two months later he passes away so like people are still playing that game listening to him and like him being so involved in the story uh, uh was really cool and like it's just a big bummer. Uh, uh, again, like all these actors we're talking about, like like today, like either, like it's with a cancer or something awful that they can't do anything about. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's it's a big one. Uh, it's just a specifically sad because like he's in like Game of the Year this year, Alan Wake too, like yeah. a lot of people's Game of the Year. So like, uh, rest in peace, James McCaffrey. You're a, you're you're the goat. He passed away at the age of 65 due to multiple yeah. meloma. My meloma, yeah, yeah, meloma. I think is what it, I can't really pronounce meloma. it. No, no, no. No, it was something. It's 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 spelled M Y E L O M A. I know. Yeah. I I copied it. I copied and pasted it, so I I had it right, but I wasn't. Yeah, I can't pronounce it. Um. Uh. Just the other day, Tom Wilkinson passed away at the age of seventy five. The director of uh M I F himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, briefly. Yeah. Briefly, uh, Ghost Protocol. Um, in a single film. <laughs> <laughs> I think people in the nerd circle will mostly know him from being Falcone and Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's so good as Falcone and Batman Begins. I mean, he's yeah. in he's in a ton of things. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's and he's always recognizable and he's always good. But I think about the you've never tasted desperate uh, all the time. Yeah, really great as Falcone. Yeah, yeah, great great character actor. Oh yeah, I I really like Tom Wilkinson. He was a he was a very fun actor. I I've not seen. His entire filmography, obviously, that's quite varied. Um, but huge. I've seen, I've seen a lot of his stuff, and I, I've always liked him he's and a, everything. 
He's in 118 movies, and that's not counting his television show appearances. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he. I mean, like, because he's also like a kind of a character actor. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. sometimes he isn't, but sometimes he is. Uh, that's what that's like. What his presence is, and it's always strong. It's always mm-hmm. strong when that's what he's doing. God, he's in so many good. There movies. are there's so many guys in Hollywood. Like when he shows up in a movie, you're like, oh hell yeah. He's also and in, he's one of them. He's also in bad movies like Black and Night. The, 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 the Martin Lawrence one. I, that movie's still bad. Is that really bad? I liked it when I watched it when I was 10. Oh man, he must be like the main white dude. Because the main bad guy? <laughs> I guess so. He's got like high billing. Um, I haven't seen that movie since that came out. But yeah, yeah, a, an incredible diverse career. Uh, I think he's one of those where like Black Knight's probably a good example, though I can't specifically cite it. Uh, I do think like even when he was in lesser things, he's always delivering a good performance. He was just like, he was a consistent actor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very present, very, uh, he reminds me a lot of, um, the actor's name is eluding me, uh, but I can find it real quick. Um, give, me some, give me some movie names, I can get he, it. He reminds me of the one who played Lucifer in Constantine. Oh, Peter Stormare. Yeah. Uh, oh, Peter Stormare, he, yeah. There's a, similar, there's a similar, like, what they're capable of, their consistency in their appearances, yeah. when they're a character actor, when they're like, striking out in a in a major role absolutely um <clears throat> i think they both have that that presence and that uh cadence so you always remember them yeah um real sad. um he passed away what did i say 75 um 75. no cause of death was given at the time of this recording <laughs> his death his, his, he passed away uh yesterday at the time of this recording so it's pretty it's pretty new at this time. it's very fresh yeah yeah, yeah. um ken pachiro satsuma um is the next one he he um a lot of people probably don't know this man's name but you definitely know his body of work especially if you're watching this show and you know how big godzilla fans we are uh he is godzilla and the uh, 90s godzilla films from godzilla 1985 to godzilla uh, versus destroy he also played hetera uh before that he was at, he he and gigan even before that um so he he was a he was mostly a suit actor for toho uh for these godzilla films and um it, for my money, the definitive Godzilla. You know, uh, those Heisei films are the ones I grew up on. Those are the ones that I I loved. Uh, King Ghidorah, Space Godzilla, um, all those movies, uh, Battle for Earth, Mothra. Um, I I adore those movies to death. And um, Destroya, right? Destroy as him. Destroy as him. Yeah, that's his last performance as Godzilla. Um, yeah. Because the the every era had a different person being Godzilla in the suit um and i uh uh he so he was my he's he's my godzilla you know it's like very much it's weird saying he's my godzilla but it's like he's my james bond he's my doctor who he was my godzilla um which is really just so so tragic uh i i think like uh it's so hard to appreciate um in a broader sense right uh what suit actors are doing with these characters Mm -hmm. um and i think that he has the fortunate like probably best suit actor performance I can think of, which is Destroya. Uh, Simply because like when you watch the Heisei films, the difference between Godzilla at normal and Godzilla crumbling from the inside is physically related to you through that actor. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there just is something different in the performance and you can recognize it. And like, it really shows the strength because of his filmography of 
how good he is at what he does because he's established something that Godzilla moves like, acts like, that is normal, that you're like, yeah, of course, like, it's Godzilla, it's Godzilla, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You get to destroy it and you're like, Godzilla's behaving weird. Um, yeah. And, like, it, it's, you you feel it. You get that from what he's doing inside of the suit. And, uh, and it's a really emotional performance because, like, that film in particular had such a finality at the time for mm. the Godzilla franchise. Yeah. That's a good point about suit actors because, like, <laughs> If you translation transition to like the horror genre, people don't think about the people playing Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or like the Predator or stuff like that. And like, you still have to act. You still you can't just like walk around like it's nothing. So like being able to translate, being in a big rubber suit or being in a slasher mask, like you still have to bring it. Yeah. So like uh, uh, giving credence to those actors, those performers is still important. And, and unfortunately, like they really they really only get the standout and spotlight when they're doing something that is different from the norm that they establish because you you accept that like that's how michael myers moves that's how godzilla moves that's how blah 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 yeah, yeah. you you yeah. you get used to it and you're you you just kind of take that for granted as like part of the performance it's like well they're doing this well but once they shift it into they have to do something else like halloween ends the michael myers performer having to play like starved and, and yeah, yeah, yeah and all that stuff or as we're talking here and destroy this godzilla that's being destroyed by the the radiation from inside uh that's when you go oh shit they're really doing a lot yeah yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, the suit performers are often kind of like um, invisible visual effects. You yeah. know, um, there's a lot of talk of like, you know, uh, there's there's so many visual effects in movies. There are times where you just don't know what you're watching is a visual effect um, where you were where, you know, it could be something as simple as like a, a background extension um, and you don't know that's a background extension. And you're like, oh, well, that's just set design. Well, no, an artist did that. An artist created that. An artist rendered that. That was an artist's work. Um, and uh, it's very much in the same way of like suit actors, uh, because you don't really think of them as people in the suit you think of mm -hmm. them as oh i'm watching godzilla much like you're much you know what much like you're not exactly watching the actor play kermit the frog you're watching kermit the frog sure um, yeah, yeah, yeah great example yeah. so like you know it's very much very similar to, to how that was that was established and uh but there's so much that goes into um these kind of performances and especially when you're able to be with a character long enough like this man <laughs> was for godzilla about a decade and a half um and and you're able to just kind of like see him kind of think about what it is to be this version of Godzilla, how it moves, how like define a generation's version of this monster. Um, right. It's it's really cool, and it's it's really tragic to lose him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he passed away at the age of seventy six due to pneumonia. Damn. So. Um, also, like suit actors have it rough. Like they're they the, the 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 it's hot in those suits. Their backs are always messed up. Like it's insane the stuff they have to go through. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Like all through that time period for sure. Um, we get back to like core suit actor animation, like really doing it. I, I think we can make that environment a lot better for them these yeah. days. But like, yeah, yo, uh, I I know because I found this out when I was at like a. Uh, uh, it was a Toys R Us or somewhere. I, it wouldn't have been a Toys R Us, but a Chester the Cheeto costume, like the big Chester Cheeto. Like, yeah. like uh, they have like a fan in there that goes around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're cool. And I'm like, can we have that in Hollywood? Come on, guys. Right. Come on, guys. Um, the the a lot of the suit performers in in Universal they have fans in there in them too. Um, but uh, uh, especially like the '90s Godzilla suit was at the time the heaviest Godzilla suit. Oh yeah. Um, uh, because the uh, the 
the Showa one had become pretty lightweight by the end of the run because uh, it kept just getting cheaper. Um, but the Heisei one was was pretty frequently the same one used and always just very heavy because there's also like animatronics in the head that allow the head to move and uh, it's like bulkier on the bottom. So it, it was a it was not an easy job, but, you know, he he really shined, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then and then uh, finally, uh, Andre Brower died at the age of 61 due to lung cancer. Um, and when I tell you this was a gut punch, holy shit. Yeah, uh, uh, he definitely he's on a lot of stuff, but I think most recently, like his long run on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a show. Yeah. I know you love Brandon. I haven't watched all of it, but I watched a lot of it. Uh, he's like he's like fundamental about that show. Like all the characters are good, but he really is like uh, like like one of the best characters on that show. Uh, no, it, it definitely so started. It's definitely started as like this is Andy Sandberg doing an Andy Sandberg starring show and it became not just more of an ensemble but more of a showcase for how funny Andre Brower could be yeah. um because he was introduced in that show as kind of the stoic kind of I'm not funny cop um but through there they were able to mine comedy but as the show kind of progressed he became much more anim animated became much more uh aware of his comedic like the character became much more aware that he was comedic in the way that he was talking um and it just there there's 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 things online that people can watch so i'm not going to quote any brooklyn 99 jokes but there are just some that i'm constantly thinking about from him that are just the funniest thing in the world but sparks what, what i wanted to bring up uh also you and i i don't know if this was how you were introduced to andre Brower. this is how i was introduced to andre Brower. was men of a certain age mm -hmm. uh, it's not how i was introduced to him but it is like one of the one of the performances that um stuck with me yeah because uh i was just my wife was watching house uh the over the past like two months and going through and i remembered that he plays house's therapist for like a whole season oh yeah uh, at one point which i totally forgot that he was even in the show yeah so like i'd seen him a lot and i'd liked him in a lot of things but i hadn't always like registered the consistency of him until yeah men of a certain age where he was with ray romano and um scott Bakula. Uh, Thank you, Scott Bakula. Uh, that was a really special show. I yeah. it's funny. I was looking at his his like how like his filmography. I'm like, oh yeah, Men of a Certain Age. That show was like a couple years old, right? No, it's a decade old. I'm like, mm -hmm. wow. I still remember seeing those commercials. Them walking in slow mo, and I'm like, God, we're all getting older. Goodness. <laughs> uh, I know uh, him uh, from like a lot of things, but like The Mist. He's like one of the antagonists in The Mist. Stephen King's uh, oh, Frank yeah. Frank Darabont's The Mist. Um, I haven't seen that. I want to. Yeah. No. Oh, buddy, it's a that's a banger. Uh, and he is like, he takes like a pretty like surface level. I'm like, I'm like, I'm playing both sides kind of character, and like really gives it like pathos. Um, he's also in Glory, which I watched in high school, which is the which is like the uh, came on the 80s. It's yes. a, the world, yes. the Civil Thank War, you. the that's, Civil War that's movie. His, that's his first major, yeah, film. with Matthew Matthew Broderick and stuff. Um, and I'm like, man, he's been around for a while, like kicking it. Um, it's it's a shame. And again, like losing like to cancer, like some things you just can't control, man. That sucks. And he. He, I feel like he was only getting like more popular with time. Like, like definitely yeah. with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like, that's like where he reached like his mass. Like, yeah, people know this guy. Well, it's very much. Um, uh, I think someone was correct when they were tweeting out that like losing Lance Reddick and and Andre Brower in the same year feels like personal and and a crime. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think I I think you're right. I think like he was kind of hitting a uh, full recognizability up to that point. Um, it is things like. 
I wasn't connecting for a long time that who I saw in Glory, a character I loved in Glory, yeah, was was him because he's just so young compared to what I'm used to yeah, seeing. Forty years, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but but like that's one of my favorite things. Uh, one of my favorite performances in that movie is is Andre Brower, and I'm yeah. like, oh shit. <laughs> uh yeah he's he's incredible um lest we forget i do want to highlight two particular nerd things uh one of them being uh superman oh. batman apocalypse where he plays an incredible dark side is that is that the supergirl fight that yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah he he's good in that he yeah. plays he plays an incredible dark side That's in that so and true. uh and another one i gotta highlight oh god is is fantastic four rise of the silver surfer oh, jesus General he is in that movie that is true <laughs> but but more importantly the dark side uh one that i really like the animated movies that dc was doing at that particular moment in time yeah. and they weren't really doing so much of the universe stuff no offense to the universe stuff but it was just kind of like make a good movie right here and that was that was one where i was like oh shit this is great and and andre brower has a really distinct and memorable dark side that's true yeah, i agree um a couple of things i want to i want to highlight about andre brower real quickly i, I said i wasn't going to quote brooklyn Nine Nine. i am um there's there's one uh brooklyn Nine was just a really special show to me it was like really important to me I, I watched every episode every season i tuned in like i i uh absolutely adored that show um and mostly because of captain holt um but uh so his character captain holt there's one moment in, i think this is the first or second season it was early in the show when he's um when he comes in and he has has a cast around his arm around around his hand and he and uh jake uh who's andy sandberg's character is like oh um how'd, how'd you get uh how'd you get that it's like I, I i tripped nobody's gonna talk about it ever again cool because he was very stoic nobody wanted to get him mad at you and so he walks in and he walks up to andy sandberg and goes do you want to know how i really hurt my arm i was hula hooping <laughs> and he goes what I've mastered all the techniques, the oopsie doodle. And he's showing him the pictures. And he's like, and Andrew Sandberg's like, why are you showing this to me? Because no one will ever believe you as he deletes everything. And it's the funniest thing. And I think about that all the time. Um, but a very important, as um, as someone who I, I've mentioned on the show, I don't think I've ever, 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 ever uh, said it um, explicitly, but I'm bisexual. As someone who uh, is is on the show, um what, there's a whole episode where rosa um um the girl uh from encanto so uh i forgot her name uh but the character uh, uh rosa stephanie beatrice thank you um she uh i who i love who i love um she comes out as bisexual on the show and um captain holt has this beautiful line this beautiful line um that uh as much as his comedy shine through there's a line that he says i think about all the time is, is every time someone steps up and says who they are uh, the world becomes a better, more interesting place uh, because he played a, a gay cop also. And I just, I just think that's beautiful. And the fact that it came from that show that he said it like just makes it even more special. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think he was a really incredible performer. It's gone too soon. Um, yeah. Would have loved, just like with Lance Reddick, would have loved another 15, 20 years with that person. Absolutely. Lance Reddick. I mean, just to bring some ringing up, uh, he was in another Remedy game, game Quantum Break, and he passed away. He was supposed to bring that character back in Alan Wake 2. And mm -hmm. then he was recasted with uh, uh, David Harwood, uh, who's done a bunch of stuff, but like he was Martian Manhunter on the CW shows, um, right, right. who's really good in the game. Yeah. But like to have that character come back after like five years would have been really, really special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it sucks. I yeah. think it's I think it's really interesting that Andre Brower has the same 
kind of uh, thing happen with men of a certain age in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as you were saying, Brandon, where they didn't realize how funny he was right mm-hmm. away. Uh, and I and like men of a certain age, he like gets funnier and fun- he, I'm pretty sure he was the funniest one, to be honest with you. Um, hey, and, what about Ray? Uh, yeah, That's yeah. The worst impression uh, or not. <laughs> uh, uh, and then and then that that happens again on Brooklyn Nine Nine. But uh, yeah, really really loved a lot of his career. It's, yeah, me too. Sucks. Uh, like you said, we should have had many many more years with them, and and it's weird to say like someone in their sixties is gone too soon, but at this day and age, like that's not old. That the, it is gone too soon. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all the that's all the sad news. Uh, I'm sure we've got some happy things to get to next, right, Sparks? Oh boy, do we ever! Oh man, <laughs> you know what? Let's do a happy thing. Let's sure, let's, let's do a happy do thing. A happy thing first. Let's talk about uh, our good friend Mike Matola. Uh, a friend of the show, Mike Matola, makes our logos. Not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, and frequently comes on, chats with us. We love Mike. He's incredible. Uh, he won an Emmy. Yeah. Um, he won an Emmy as, I have the whole thing, editor in Outstanding Public Service Initiative, uh, which was for DreamWorks Gabby's Kids Power Challenge. Uh, that's awesome. I thought it was a prank. Me too. I thought it was a joke. And then I was like, oh, no, the Emmys are actually happening right now. Oh, that's a real statue. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. This is the guy who talks about Marvel movies with us. Get out of here. This is the guy who makes the posters. Like, what? What are we yeah. doing? Like, because like I also thought it was a joke, and I was just like, "Hang on." So I looked him up. I looked up on IMDb. Mike Matola, editor. I was like, "Okay, but is this the same Mike Matola?" Because he didn't have a picture at the time. Yeah. I was like, "Is this the same one?" Um, and uh, and uh, I looked up the I looked up the list of the Emmys, and there it was: Mike Matola, editor. Um, uh, because these were the for the daytime Emmy awards. Um, yeah. And I uh, just like floored like honestly congratulations mike this is incredible um i didn't know he was doing this um yeah. and that's awesome to uh to 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 have won this 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 really cool award yeah really happy for for our friend mike that he's out there doing such incredible stuff we just want to highlight and appreciate yeah our friend because yeah. uh that's awesome i remember brandon you you were there like he's just a guy we met at a comic-con selling posters that he made and now this dude's winning winning awards crazy and he still talks to us. And he still talks to us. Thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we definitely stagnated. He kept going, and we're and he's still like, he's still he's still looking at us. I'm I'm just happy about Climbing. that. Climbing. Look at him. Um, yeah. I, like it's it's really it's really cool to see uh, people that you know succeed just in general, like whether or not they be friends or acquaintances or whatever. Just people that you know are kind and are that you like genuinely uh succeed in in really cool ways and uh, uh no one deserves it more than mike at this point yeah yeah, yeah. dude's a hard worker yeah yeah uh that's wonderful uh we just wanted to shout him out we love him um we're really happy that 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 happened for him that's amazing um let's get back um, into the dirt now give us some dirt yeah. okay um <laughs> let's let's go to christopher landon leave screams mm, yes okay that's um, not bad this is not bad no it's not it's not bad um it's weird in yeah. terms of in terms of when he decided to say something mm-hmm. um which could have been a contracting i don't know um christopher landon kind of like very passively uh let out like by the way a few weeks ago i left scream seven um no longer attached to the project it was a 
uh, I'm not quoting him specifically here. I'm paraphrasing, but a, that it was a a dream thing that turned into a nightmare and all this stuff. He did say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that he left, uh, and it's still never really cemented in terms of him kind of like championing that Melissa Brer was right to stand up for what she stood up for, he being or yeah. anything like that. He's being very diplomatic. Yeah, that's what it is. And like, if he if he agrees or disagrees, he's really trying to hide it um mm -hmm. which i think just kind of sucks in in a broad sense i wish someone who i really like the work of like christopher yeah. landon was willing to actually stand up there with the full backbone and say like the firing of melissa barrera was wrong rather than just saying like it wasn't my decision yeah sure so this is the so i pulled it up i pulled up the 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 tweet i'll really read he's got two tweets i'll read the first one um uh i guess now is a good as good a time as any to announce i formally exited scream seven weeks ago this will disappoint some and delight others. It was a dream job that turned into a nightmare and my heart did break for everyone involved, everyone, but it's time to move on. Um, uh, and, and like he very much like, I think he made the right decision um, to do this. Cause I've, we've always said what we've said when um, Melissa Barrera and, uh, and General Ortega left the project, like you just lose your two leads um like just they're just, just pulled the rug out from under you like there's no there's no world where where you i think you, you want to continue yeah but you are correct in saying that like he is trying to be like i don't this is where it's unclear if this was because melissa Pereira was fired or if it's because he got backlash for not saying anything about the firing it could also be like in in relation but not connected to like rewriting that entire script too yeah and like maybe maybe the scheduling now got moved and he's just like i this is just such a mess i don't even want to deal with it yeah but like yeah. this is the, yeah. this is kind of the thing is like there's it, it is good it is good that he's backed out and scream seven is effectively dead as far as anyone's concerned i want to see who they get to direct this which one. is sad Jeez. which is sad in the sense of like loving the scream franchise and and like them have been all bangers and like it's dead but it's dead um and that's what it is uh and christopher landon very much walks that line of like yeah he's not he's not disclosing if uh for what reasons that he felt and i think that just kind of as a as a person who wants to like his work yeah uh this is a little bit of a smear that's that's it's gonna stick around of like i yeah. don't know why you didn't stand up a little harder it's he you said it he's being diplomatic because he doesn't want to piss off anyone at spyglass just in case he could work there and, again and i think it's unfortunate because i do think that if the previous team had been there radio silence yes yeah. they would have championed for melissa barrera to not be fired to be hired back and everything yeah and yeah there's a probably a path where if they were the people who were saying like if you get rid of her, we're, we're gone. Yeah. And that holds more sway. And Melissa Brer comes back to work for them, but not for um, Spyglass. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, I could see where that happens because they have the history of the previous two films and they have the investment of like, you know, we picked you, we, we, we made this story with you kind of thing. But Landon doesn't have that history. So yeah. doesn't uh, have that opportunity to save this decision. Um, and it all just sucks. It, it, you know, people have been talking about it like, Sparks, you've already said that the screen franchise is effectively dead at this point. And you're absolutely right. Like, because like Scream Six came out this year. Yeah. That's crazy to think. And it was the most profitable screen movie uh to date, I believe. It was it was, I don't maybe not, maybe that's not true, but it was a very profitable screen movie. Uh more profitable I think than if you did, one. I think if you did like um uh you know inflation comparisons, yeah, the original screen probably beats it. 
but um only by like inflation yeah it was a, it was a banger it definitely it definitely was a winner yeah. audiences loved it you you're coming off, hot off the heels of of one of the most popular scream entries ever you've got all this momentum you lose your director and then you fire your lead your other lead backs out and then you lose your other director like in in the course of the same year that this incredibly popular entry was released and the, the same year that everyone was saying that scream was back now it's dead less than six months maybe more but like like around six months later yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty wild what a, uh, made, what a wild they a trajectory huge, they he made a huge mistake in speaking out and firing uh melissa Barrera. if they just shut their mouths and didn't acknowledge it one way or another they could have just kept on rolling and made mm-hmm. a movie but they had to be done. Yeah. So many studios shut their mouths and make a movie. Like how like uh, Warner Brothers went went forward with The Flash and uh <laughs> Amber Heard isn't uh, isn't in Aquaman a lot, but this she's is, there. This is a great point. This is a great point that does kind of tie into one of the other things we're going to talk about, but like yeah. very much like a oh, studios will just push forward and not make a big deal out of it if it's white people. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100%. Especially white men like that really happens a lot, but boy, we can push around those minorities uh, as much as we want. Um, the Stranger Things has multiple cast ugh. members just doing the worst shit possible, and I'm like, that show is getting getting going. It's going to be full stop. We're seeing it. it you know, we're going to see that show no matter what with those people in it. So I'm just like, <clears throat> it is really like certain just, people are really getting targeted for this stuff. Just free yeah. Millie Bobby Brown from from Stranger Things. It's all he, we need. He wants to be free more than anybody. <laughs> She's yeah. done. She's ready to move on. Yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah, she's got uh, she's got a great career ahead of her. Oh yeah, I, um, I agree. Yeah, it's I uh, it's so it's so crazy that like y- y- I'm so glad you brought up the that because like yeah, white white performers and specifically white men will get away with countless amounts of shit all the time um, and not have anything happen to them. But but we're seeing here with Melissa Barrera immediately. Uh, like the slightest thing, which it, it doesn't even fall in line of what they were saying it was, and they kick her out, and they've killed a franchise. They've killed a franchise that everybody liked. Y'all, people are still talking about the Will Smith slap, like like a year and a half later. Like, listen, like it's it, it's it's almost comical, like the, how the choosing sides of like where in the color spectrum are you, and then we're just not, and then we're gonna cut you off. And I'm like, y'all, you're not even like well, like, hiding and, like, it. And again, like let's also go to you know like uh, uh, the the teardown on the MCU that's happened this year, uh, specifically targeting the projects that are led by like a black female director. Yo, Variety's just whole, out, all this Variety's shit. Whole like piece, a fish. Uh, Variety's whole hit piece on Nia DaCosta. Yeah. Variety's whole hit piece on the MCU the back half of this year. Yeah. For real. Like some someone really wants to kill the MCU over it. And of course, like we've talked about before, but like leaving Black Panther off the cover. I'm like, oh, let's leave off the billion dollar movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh-huh. it's... It's like you're not even trying anymore. There's a there's a lot mm-hmm. of like really gross shit going on in media coverage about about these things. And like I yeah. think the strikes bubbled up a lot of it too, where you see like how how fickle uh, major media outlets are and who they'll cater to and who they'll and it's the same way that's tied to the the heads of studios who they think is important and who they think is disposable. Yeah. Um. Uh. It it sucks. I'm glad that Christopher Landon's gone because I mean it. I do think it like puts a final nail in the coffin on the movie. Um, yeah. that needed to be there so because like i didn't want to see it get made without yeah. them um but it, it, i wish that i wish as 
I wish he'd stood up for them just a little bit. Uh, uh, I I want to see more of his projects in the future. This isn't like a full oh he's a shitty person thing, but it's like nah. I think I think in in history you'll look back and say you could have done more here. Uh, so that sucks. Let's let's kind of uh, segue into something that's very similar with the Jonathan Majors yeah. conviction that's happened. Um, I'm gonna real briefly because I. Uh, just go through so the jury convicted the actor on charges of reckless assault in the third degree and harassment but found him not guilty of intentional assaults in the third degree and aggravated harassment in the second degree um for those of you who are really trying to read into a lot of this there the reason why it's um, not intentional assault uh seems to be that they've determined he did assault uh his girlfriend at the time grace jabari um <clears throat> in in like not necessarily self-defense, but in, in like a reckless manner, but not an intention to do the damage that he did. He was just yeah. reckless with his forces, why they're using the word reckless. Um, but they do admit that there is a pattern uh, problem of harassment and all this kind of stuff here. So that led to, leads to his conviction. He'll, he'll serve time for a year. Um, uh, that happens. I, I do, while we're on that point about uh, how white performers and everything are treated it, the point isn't that uh, oh jonathan major shouldn't be um reprimanded or uh face justice for what he did mm -hmm. and what has been brought forward that's not the point but the point is look how easy it is to do it when it's a black man and uh, uh johnny depp walks scot-free gets all this defense and stuff uh all, all the rest of them um, that we could go through a laundry list of who yeah. get no punishments. Uh, Ezra Miller, everyone's been pointing to the Ezra Miller thing. Like Ezra Miller gets to keep the flash and be fine while Jonathan Majors has to go to prison. Um, it is just the the double standard is very stark. And I think we were pointing this out even when Jonathan Majors was first uh, brought in that um, movies and agencies were so fast to drop him yeah. without this case having occurred. And the MCU hadn't done it. Uh, but... Um, all the rest of them they were just dropping him like flies they were like no no no, we're not touching this we're not touching this uh so quickly and you just don't see that on the what? other end sure i think that said i actually think marvel is smart in this case um yeah. i think that they were um i think that they were smart to wait for a conviction move forward with loki obviously we can't change anything in loki so let's let's kind of keep going let's have a contingency plan but you know what there's also the possibility that this is a james gunn situation right where we fire him and realize we made a mistake right um and bring him and have to bring him back okay well let's wait and see uh and waiting for a conviction was incredibly smart of them mm -hmm. to be like okay well now he's convicted we can't work with you anymore let's yeah. let's give it everyone else though what you were talking about what, what uh being able to, to to lose him marvel weirdly enough should have been the template for this whole thing. Let's wait and see. Because you're going to wait and see for Johnny Depp or Ezra Miller. Yeah. So why 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 give that why 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 give why not give them uh them the exactly. same exactly well it, like this is not it, <clears throat> I in no way disagree with like what the jury decided to do with, with Jonathan Majors and yeah. I'm not in that case I'm not seeing the all the evidence. I'm not in that case like it's their business. Uh and I, I'm I think that they came to a just solution. Um I, I do think like we have a problem in Hollywood of really running up the narrative of uh, what people have done wrong before 
a lot enough evidence is out there like there's a reason why we have innocent until proven guilty but in the court of public opinion um it's very easy for media outlets to sway that in a direction and certainly the jonathan majors one was swung i i saw a lot of like black black uh film twitter and a lot of other people were saying like hold up hold up because it's not so much that they're saying like jonathan majors can't possibly be guilty but they're saying like you can't just throw the man under the bus so quickly yeah uh with the narrative of the media when we don't do this for the other white actors in his position when we don't oh. do this for the people who have uh seemingly done worse yeah um and we just we give them benefit of the doubt he has to have benefit of the doubt up to that point and like i think that's been a real struggle with the jonathan major thing where everyone's kind of like you know all it took was a couple of people saying like i knew him in college and yeah he was a piece of shit and everybody just kind of went must be true well, what you're what you're talking about is uh, unfortunately the, the only example I can bring up is what, something that you didn't want to talk about. Uh, so we were not going to spend a lot of time on it. But what recently came out about Vin Diesel? He's being sued for uh, sexual assault. Um, sure. How quickly was that? Like, well, let's wait and see. Let's brush that under the rug. Let's he makes he he, he you know how quickly was think the the reception between the two of them was so drastic where. There's not a lot of backlash towards what happened with Vin Diesel, but there yes, was great. towards Jonathan Majors. You're, you're right. I didn't want to delve too deep into the Vin Diesel thing, but it's exactly because of this point where, like, it we should be waiting. Like, yeah. it, like it, it should be innocent until proven guilty. I, I will not be shocked if these allegations against Vin Diesel are true, and it's going to be really, really sad. Um, yeah. But you know we we can't just like run with the first things there's a reason why why there's supposed to be a system of like going through the evidence and checking things and like yes obviously some people get away with shit when they really really shouldn't oh the system's um, broken like no no question but but it's it's just so and again like jonathan majors did something wrong that's not the point the point is that it, it, it's the way that hollywood treats people and feeds that machine to spin it in a direction even before the conviction had come because let's say that he'd been seen innocent in this mm -hmm. uh disney would be the only ones who still had him for anything and then everything else he'd have to pick up and rebuild his reputation and like that's just not that's not the way we should be treating things going forward right. um you know and it's it it's just been really really jarring to watch like and watch people who were like really hoping that they could prove not not so much because they were holding on to Jonathan Majors, but because they really wanted to prove that the media machine was bad and wrong um, yeah. for the way that it was doing it and prove that this is, but, but, you know, like, unfortunately this also feeds into their idea that like, well, it's right to do this because he was convicted. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're fine. Um, we didn't do anything wrong because we turned out to be correct. There's such an interesting, like, Ooh. and again, like I'm using Jonathan Majors as an example, as Sparks already said, you know the courts have, have deemed him guilty in this case um so you know th that so, so so that th there it is but like there's so much of like we we the like the general public really subconsciously maybe want minority creators and actors to fail um and, and that when they fail it's a lot harder for them than 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 it is far as we always talk about like how white white male directors will uh fail upwards doesn't matter how many flops you get you'll get another movie but yeah. Nia DaCosta will struggle to get her next project if if the marvels bombed um right she was already got another project lined up thank goodness uh but like as an example that's that's not always the case right. um 
and uh it, and so like patty jenkins like when was the last patty jenkins one in 1984 seems to have killed her career like where has she been since 84 rogue squad squadron was supposed to come out this week yep yeah um so like i hate 1984 i hate what about 1984 but i wanted patty jenkins to keep making movies um right like it's, it's ridiculous that she's not and so like i and so like when, we, when it comes to like this this like the wait and see thing seems to only happen when it's white people um and, and not when it's minorities and I, I I really it, it's really frustrating to see so many people variety want uh, these minority creators to fail so badly. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it, and it's I the double standards really bothered me. I think in watching like yeah. the whole Jonathan Majors thing play out because we we as a as a collective society got so defensive of of and protective. Of, I'm going to use Johnny Depp because it's a really prominent one, but we got so yeah. protective of him because we all love so much of his work and I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like Jonathan Majors was one of the hottest actors of the past year. Oh yeah. Um, like Creed three, uh, came out this year. Like he, he was a big ticket. Uh, and Ant-Man came out this year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like he, you know, he was making big, big waves, big yeah. presents. Like kids were, kids were excited to go see him and have him sign their, uh, helmets and things like that. Like Jonathan Majors was, a, was becoming a household name in such a major way that it's crazy uh, that not that there weren't people who were doing the same, who were trying to be protective of him and all that, but like, it does, it doesn't matter. Like the narratives just steamrolls over them. Yeah. Um, no benefit of the doubt. No, no opportunity uh, until uh, a conviction would come that would say he was innocent. And um, that, if that had come, like he would have had such a still uphill battle. I like, we know it. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if he had been innocent in this case, yeah, uh, it, it, he would have been struggling to recover his ep- reputation for the next decade. Yeah. Just like you mentioned with the Will Smith slap, yeah, like that one. Oh my god, had, like cratered Will Smith's career when it really shouldn't have. The next that Bad Boys, the the next Bad Boys movie comes out next year, and you can bet your ass that slap is going to come up again in the media cycle. Hey, why why have we forgiven Will Smith for the slap? I have seen the thing about the slap. I'm going to rant a little bit, just like two minutes on the, on the slap real quickly. Um, Like I have seen so much worse happen to so many people than just getting slapped in the face. Yeah. Like I have never understood in the moment. I didn't understand the reaction that happened. Honestly, maybe Chris Tucker deserved it. Who am I to say? Chris Rock. I like Will Smith more than Chris Tucker. Didn't deserve anything because it was Chris Rock. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chris Rock. Chris Rock. I think Chris I Rock always get them personally. Like he's turned it, and he's turned it into like this relaunch of his own stand-up career. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, God, get out of here, y'all. Kathy, don't need to get slapped once in a while. Okay, a slap <laughs> is like it's not that bad. You will survive. It's like, but they, but like they, because because Will Smith is a black man, they act like he shot him. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what that's what's happened, uh, and, and Will Smith, Will Smith has been banned from the Academy for ten years, and is going to have to rebuild his career after winning an Oscar. Yeah, uh, no, They're not even like no, and like we know honestly, the the heartbreaking reality is that like they're not going to like rethink the way that they're picturing him until he passes away. Yeah. Like it's just that's how it's gonna go because that's what they fucking do. Um, it's just so exhausting that it the way the studios and the media machines work in conjunction to kind of decide 
who we protect and who we don't and who's relevant and who isn't and and what narrative we want to take and what narrative we don't want to take and and that they they ebb and flow in those exact specific and very very racist embedded directions and like the will smith one is like uh, i don't want to talk about this a long time but it's just like it just makes me think like he is one of the nicest most loved people in hollywood and he had an emotional reaction to someone making fun of his wife yeah like that should not ruin a man's career especially someone who like we know has like not done anything bad. You know what I mean? Like this is the worst thing he's ever done is slap someone for defending his wife. Like give me a break. Right. Like, yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's no, you're, ridiculous. You're, you're, you're so right. You're so right. Like there's no, there's no pattern of like dangerous abuse. And like, even, even like, yeah, he went up and he slapped Chris Rock across the face on live television. It's like, yeah. What did Chris Rock say about his wife? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. like, and like, what's the, what's Chris Rock's pattern of behavior towards Jay and Pinkett Smith that would have made Will Smith do this. Yeah. Um, rather than questioning that we just like, yeah, it's, it's exhausting and terrible. And I, and again, we have defended just, people for worse. Yeah. I just wish that I wish that the road to this, this case being seen by the jury was not, the way that it was because it feels like the odds were already stacked against Jonathan Majors anyway, regardless of if he could have proven his innocence. Like it, it, it's just not the way that the system should be as someone who does like him as a performer. Yeah. Like it's just not the way that the system should be. Um, I'm, I'm glad that the jury saw the case through that they made the, the determinations they did. I'm, I'm, I'm in a way relieved that they determined that he did not commit intentional assault. It's not, it's not necessarily, that much better but it is a little bit of a uh they looked at a lot of stuff and determined that like he was in reckless con uh use of his uh power um and that that feels just a little bit better to not know like he just flown off the handle intentionally wanting to hurt somebody yeah um but there's still issues and uh you know a long road to recovery of Jonathan Majors will have to work on himself and Jonathan Majors will have to go to therapy and all these kinds of things. And whether he has a career in the future or not, who knows? Um, it'll be very hard for him. Yeah. Um, but like we've forgiven a lot of other people for a lot worse. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, in terms of the MCU stuff, I find it absolutely fascinating how everyone's like, abandon the king uh, hmm. and just drop it. And uh, this is the more interesting part. The more nerd podcast stuff I wanted to focus on is is less. Uh, uh, oh, is the MCU? This sucks. The MCU just can't catch a break. Um, but uh, I just want your guys' reads on: Should they drop Kang or recast Kang? Well, we know the answer that the MCU is doing, and it looks like they're dropping them. Right. But I, there's never been an easier way to recast someone I've seen in my entire life than an infinite number of these different men just recast them. Yeah. Like you don't have to destroy your plans and they might not have even been good plans, but like, we know like King dynasty, like that's being reworked now. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's just Avengers five. And I'm like, luckily, which I think they needed anyway to a, to a degree. But yeah, like, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, luckily Loki, Loki did kind of put it in a box where like, we don't have to revisit King if we don't want to. I don't think they should be doing that. I think King is a good enough character and it's so easy to recast specifically in a multiverse character that like it seems like the easy way out but it feels like they don't even want to be associated with anything king related because jonathan majors touched it and i'm just like that just seems backwards to me but i don't know here's my big brain thing that i would like them to do terrence howard you did it you got you read my mind we're oh, simpatico good. Let's get another man who's hit women uh, <laughs> yes. um, 
so I think this and here's they're with they will never do this. My, my what I think they should do is something that they will never do in a million years, which is push Secret Wars. Oh, push yeah. Secret Wars to the net. We're, we're in the multiverse saga. I always thought we were too early to do multiverse saga. Um, yeah. so like rename the saga, don't focus this on, on the multiverse, do the multiverse as the next saga and revisit Kang there. Because like I think that you could have really done like you could have done like someone not someone someone I don't know who I don't know I'm I'm not as familiar with the Marvel with the Marvel villains as as, as Ryan is but like someone who could not who could be the bigger threat than Thanos but not so not as big as Kang and Kang isn't like I've read comic books where Kang isn't even the big threat um right. I, I've read I, we just read Doctor Doom Kang's not the big threat in that um he's just a dude hanging out with dr doom in that in that book um so like you could do something where you kind of pivot away to a different marvel hero a different marvel villain that can challenge the avengers and then go back to kang with a different actor um and, and kind of uh and kind of like refocus the efforts to make something a little bit more like like Kang is the it, we can start building up to Kang a little bit more down the line. We already know there's a line in Loki that actually sets this up really well, which is um, uh, when they're talking about um, have they found us yet? No, they don't seem to know we're here. They're talking about the Council of Kangs. The Council yeah. of Kangs doesn't know the TVA is there. Um, so then, okay, well maybe it takes them a lot longer to find out about this than it, than it would have normally. Yeah, there are like <clears throat> the two villains that immediately come to mind. Besides Doctor Doom, which is what they're what they seem to be doing, uh, yeah. we're introducing the Fantastic Four. You, there are two big Fantastic Four villains you can use. It's Galactus and it's Annihilus. Annihilus sure. is the leader of the Negative Zone, and he has an he has the Annihilation Wave, which you know that was one of Marvel's coolest events is, is the Annihilation, and like that is a big enough threat for the entire universe. Right. Uh, not exactly multiverse, but you can. And then, and then Galactus, depending on which run you take, he can be just attacking Earth, or he can be attacking the universe. Like there are other options. I feel like Marvel thinks. They think they're in, they're in like a, a in like the back into a corner. So like they're just gonna pivot to Doom, which like honestly, for if you are leading the Secret Wars, is what you should have been doing already. Right. But like, like I, the multi, like I agree, Brandon. Like, like no one will get mad if you push this this the big the Secret War stuff for, till further because that is like right. you can't get bigger than Secret Wars. That is the end all be all event. But they won't they won't do that because they're they're scared. Um. I think there is a, a valid question of like how much is it Disney reacting to stuff and how much is it Kevin Feige in the MCU reacting to stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like who has the control there of, of saying what are we doing? So benefit of the doubt on some of that that I'm sure Bob Iger is kind of also pulling the leash Pull the on some things. Um, I I agree in, in about parts and don't agree about parts of what Brandon was saying there. Um, I I do want Secret Wars pushed back. I don't agree about like just pushing back the whole multiverse concept at, 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 at scale only because my thing is, and I still kind of would keep Kang right now. I would keep Kang as the present thing right now. I just don't, I agree with Ryan, like doom is secret wars. So push back secret wars and build up doom and still the multiverse is something ever getting bigger and expanding. But like, I still think Kang should be something that they deal with in the near future. Um, and the main reason I feel that way is because, and about the multiverse is because, there have been a lot of bumps in the past couple of years with the MCU for sure. But if they pivot now, I worry that a lot of foundation and table setting they've been doing these past couple of years will truly feel like meaningless. 
mm-hmm. if they pivot too hard away from yeah. what they were putting the trajectory for. It sucks to lose um, an actor as good as Jonathan Majors was, who was going to play all these different forms of Kang, and it was going to be this really well, like, populated thing going on and on and on and building to its conclusion. I think that was going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we can lose that. I, I actually lean towards what um, Boss Logic uh, uh, suggested, which is basically doing Jet Li's The One with Kang yeah. and having a Kang who um, is a different actor who comes, who has been, you find out has been killing all the other Kangs. You don't even need to see them, but like he's been building himself up as the one true Kang. Mm. Um, and that be the one that they fight. But then you're paying off this Kang stuff. You're paying off some of this multiverse stuff. Um, I I think that there's merit to to an idea of doing that. And like, I think it's even better to build this multiverse stuff to for all the characters who who get connected and involved in it, and those who haven't been aware necessarily of the multiverse, haven't interacted with it enough a lot to um, face Kang and think, okay, we've solved the multiverse problems. Like the multiverse is safe now. Scale things back down. Oh shit, Secret Wars. Um, so that you sure. have that like kind of up and down and the multiverse kind of recedes a little bit, but it's still there. Uh, I, I just, I don't think the solution is is necessarily push everything away or even abandon uh, some of it because again, like I worry that we're going to, to look back on some of the things that have built the path here and be like, wow, what a waste. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that's an unfortunate space to live in. And I, and I think that in some ways they have to kind of just commit to the trajectory they set themselves on to the best that they can, rather than trying to completely turn the ship a different direction. Um, Um, go ahead. And then I had another thing. Well, one of the things I wanted to, I wanted to say real quickly about, uh, building up doom, um, because like it, it, if doom is the villain of secret wars, which he should be, um, that comic is incredible um but i never liked the idea that fantastic four and there's already been talk like fantastic four wouldn't even introduce doom in its first movie um which i think is insane and i'm sure isn't even true um but like i never really liked the idea that they that it doom and uh secret wars would be in the same phase like I, I, I really yeah. think like Fantastic yeah. Four. There should be at least like three Fantastic Four films before you get to Secret Wars. Hundred percent. Yeah. That's I, where I, was I feel anyway. like no, I agree. I feel like Secret Wars. I think in a broad sense, like the moment they announce Secret Wars, I've always been afraid that the only reason that Secret Wars is being done isn't necessarily to um, deliver on the narrative story of what Secret Wars is, to even give kind of a hint of it, um, to to land something that that is transitional for the characters, but simply the the excuse and way of putting the X Men in the MCU. Yeah, and and like I just don't think that should be the purpose of that story. Um, I, you got to find a different route. I just don't think that should be it, and I think. I've always thought that Secret Wars, where they put it and announced it, even as they pushed it back, shortchanges so many young new characters that we've been introduced to, like the all these next generation heroes. Like, if Secret Wars happens, do we even keep most of them? Like, you just put all these... This is what I mean, is like, don't abandon all this table setting you've done. Like, you have the makings for Young Avengers. Like, good lord use them i'm not even saying make a young avengers movie but use these characters like the marvels hints at and i hope they follow through on and don't abandon because that movie flopped like these are the characters like you've been building up like do things with them don't just like have them there and then wash the universe like that doesn't make any sense and they so explicitly like we've been talking for years now they're slowly introducing all the different young avengers but like they they explicitly show in the marvels Mm -hmm. 
like Kate Bishop and Kamala Khan hanging out. So like, yeah. which I think is a, and I think that is a pivot. I think that is them. Uh, I think that scene is there because they're starting to recognize like we're not doing enough with yeah. this. Yeah. So I um, and we've been heading the wrong way. With exactly. That. So like that makes me think that like, I mean, it has to be a movie. Like you, can't, I don't think you can like you can't. It's like you can't make a Young Avengers TV show or a TV movie, but like. That should be a theatrical movie. Yeah. Not something you throw on Disney Plus yeah. for so some people to watch it. Yeah. Like it's weird. And and Young Avengers also gives you the just real quick, Brandon, the Young Avengers also gives you the access of like uh if you did if you did want to follow through on a Kang story, again, like kind of combine the idea. Give a give a, a strong Kang who's apparently like eliminated and blocked out a lot, and the Kang who's on the Young Avengers. Iron Lad. And like and like have both of those stories. Uh, paralleling to each other and yes. what that means for them and like how complicated that makes things but that feels more like a that feels like it brings Kang down a little bit towards a uh, like not that he's not a threat but like he's not um, you know the Secret Wars level thing anymore now yeah. he's more of like a, a okay yeah we're gonna do this but there's still bigger stuff on the horizon kind of thing yeah. to, to I, take care of the I, real quick just because he because he, he brought that up like Iron Lad his whole thing is like, am I going to become King the Conqueror? Like, I have to be a hero. I'm like, I do not want to become the villain. That's it, that's a movie right there. That's easily a Young Avengers movie. But like, I don't even think they're thinking about that. Um, the other the other worry that I have with Secret Wars again, like again, like if you're going to do Secret Wars right, if you're going to do, do it right, if you're going to have a hint of the story that is in the comics, which you can't really adapt the story as is in the comics, so you got to make a lot of changes. Yeah. But if you want to keep the heart of it, then Doom is the heart of it. So, like he said, like I already said, you need at least three of those Fantastic Four movies to get there. But the other problem that I have with Secret Wars is that not only Sparks does it feel like as an excuse to bring in the X Men in the next phase, which I don't think they ever needed to do, but also an excuse to bring back the old characters from the previous uh, comic book movies as yeah. an excuse to do that. And I am so disinterested in that at this point. Um, like you, you can't treat secret wars like this you can't treat it like that and uh, endgame endgame is a movie that culminates an entire saga by uh by 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 wrapping up plot threads of films that people have have devoted hours of time to uh hours of watching you remember marathons leading up to the next movie um and uh, endgame is the tip of all that and then you can't you can't go like in my opinion, you can't half-ass a Secret Wars movie to just with a bunch of nostalgia bait and then make it set up just the next phase. Yeah, I don't right. think you can do that, and I don't want to see that. Uh, if we're doing Avengers five and you want to keep Kang, uh, you have a be wholly you have a be wholly separate from Secret Wars. And in my opinion, I agree with Sparks. You make that. You, and I agree with Sparks, Sparks and Ryan's point. You make that Young Avengers. Yeah. It, 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 to me, Secret Wars has just always felt like it should be the the culmination of the MCU, yes. as we know it. Yeah, and mm -hmm. like this is where you say goodbye. There, I wouldn't mind bringing back the old actors because, like, at that point, like we're saying goodbye to everybody, right? Sure. Like, this is where this is where, um, ideally, Iman Vellani has played like Miss Marvel for almost twenty years. Sure. And at that point, you're saying like we're sunsetting the MCU as we've known it, and when, when it comes back it comes back with all new performers, new takes, like new starting points, new ways of going. Who who shows up first? Has Spider-Man been there longer than the Avengers gets established? Like, whatever. You know, uh, that's where you do... Is it Miles Morales? Is Peter 
you know, older? Is Peter even there? Like you, you do all of those things at that point because you're resetting the whole universe. You can have a new actor playing Iron Man. People will accept it at that point, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That always feels like what Secret Wars should be doing is as the button of it all. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like I feel like they've just kind of locked it into, it feels like from an outside perspective that they've locked it into this is how we get the x-men yeah and i'm like <laughs> yeah end game end game like you just said brandon is like is a culmination of like so many different stories and like it all feels natural and progressive and like end game is not empty calories i am so scared that that secret wars is just going to be hey remember those heroes from 20 years ago and that will just be it'll be a fun first watch i won't think about it the way i think about end game or infinity war right and like secret wars is arguably not just like the original 80s one but hickman's 2015 like sequels i think is the best event they've ever done because that is also a culmination of like 60 years of fantastic four dr doom avengers storyline being told in one so i'm like they just want to use that name so bad they're not even thinking about like the actual way to get there the, the thing that that i that i worry about secret wars more than anything um you know, all these scoopers on online are talking about and like, you know, what scoopers get their get their facts wrong all the time. They get things right They're You know, they've got hit to miss ratio like anybody else. Yeah. Um, What what Sparks is talking about is in like 20 years time, we do a reboot of, of the MCU. What the scoopers are saying is that Secret Wars is going to be a soft reboot in 2026. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, I no, absolutely not. There's no there's no need for that. It doesn't make sense. It, there's no reason, like, you have all... This is the thing, it's like, we got Miss Marvel. Daredevil just got to the MCU. Daredevil just got to the MCU. We don't even have the rest of the Netflix people. Spider-Man's finally out of high school. Like, wh why are we resetting? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why Why would we even, like, soft reset? Again, like, it just feels like, just, we gotta find a way to integrate the X-Men. And I'm like, I don't know, come up with something else. Come up with anything else. To yeah. integrate the X-Men so that you just keep telling stories with the actors who are playing the characters now so that we're not like re-beginning with uh, either Iman Vellani still being Miss Marvel or not or whoever. Like I want to watch these actors have just as much time to build these characters as Robert Downey Jr. did to do Tony Stark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, this is this is where like Secret Wars really like yeah. puts me off. Anyway, my, getting back to like the core of like what it seems they're doing in terms of like abandoning Kang and Jonathan Majors. My worry, obviously, I think films in general are suffering. I don't think this is a comic book movie problem. A right. lot of people will try and tell you that it is or that it's an MCU problem. It's really not. Um, it's a big blockbuster problem. Like it, it, there's a lot of factors. It's inflation. It's streaming services. It's uh, it is quality, but like that's not the only factor. Um, any everything has proven that like if you put the work into the film word of mouth will get people into theaters. Elemental proves that. Godzilla minus one proves that. Like, uh, if the work is on the screen, people will show up. So they simply have to actually make uh, stronger films. Yeah. Barbie yes, and Oppenheimer. That is, huh? Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you are putting the quality on the screen, people will show up because it's worth making that journey out there, spending that money. But if you are constantly just like trying to fill the machine and go in a certain direction and you're not, and you're not, uh, this is like a great example. I think Nia DaCosta wanted to put something very special on the screen, but as she has stated, it was not her movie. Yep. There's a lot of machinations that control it and keep it from being as great as it probably could have been had she had free reign. Um, so it's things like that, that make people go, I can wait for it on Disney plus. 
That's mm-hmm. a couple of months away yeah. rather than going and spend their money. And I can't blame people for that when they're struggling to pay for groceries and gas. Yeah. So I can't blame them for that decision. Like, am I going to go spend the money on the marbles or am I going to go see Godzilla minus one, which everybody's talking about? Like, how am I going to spend my 15 bucks? I only can go see one movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that those are important factors. That being said, I do not think that slotting out King and slipping in doom is any way to energize the fan base about where we're going right now. It's a, it's a bandit. This does not sound like a way to get people back reinvigorated with the MCU right now. Does not sound like a good idea. Does not sound like making everybody who has been loyal to the MCU loyal. I use in quotations in a loose term. Um, you shouldn't like just have undying loyalty to a franchise where you don't aren't critical of it. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're a person who has uh, wanted to support and watch all the projects, if they're about to do something that makes you feel like spending the time even with the projects you found lackluster to be meaningless, it is going to be hard to keep people invested. Yeah, look at Secret Invasion. Mm. It's a I, it's I a wholly, a really hard time coming back from that one. It's a wholly meaningless uh, show that I spent hours watching, and I and I'm completely and that and that's my fear, right? Like Secret Invasion yeah. will never matter to anything, and I know it. Other than we'll never see Maria Hill again, except in What If. Well, that sucks. Um, We're definitely never seeing Gaia again. Yeah, and if we do, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. She'll probably be killed at the beginning of a movie. Uh-huh. Um, Secret Wars. Like, Should we kill the beginning of Secret Wars? Dangerous. Oh, no, uh, that's such a good point. Uh, um, it, it, but, but that's a great example, though, Brandon. I, I know why you were saying it because, like, Secret Invasion badly hurt you this year, as it hurt all of us, I think. Um, but, but to your point, like, part of the problem with Secret Invasion is also that, like, I don't like that. I don't like that show. I think they made a lot of mistakes. I would still be interested in watching the thing that would have happened next where people are in a panic and they're uh, thinking that anybody could be a scroll. If they actually were doing a story that followed up on that, that superheroes are having to deal with like people who don't trust them, who think they could be scrolls and all this kind of stuff. If there was room for that kind of story to happen, that is something that would interest me. Yeah. Like I can't pretend it isn't, but what bothers me is that it wasn't good. And even then it's never going to matter. None mm-hmm. of the things in it are ever going to be referenced again. And if you retroactively make a lot of phase four and five feel that way because we are abandoning this Kang stuff and other things attached to it. That's going to suck for a lot of people who have kind of shouldered on and said like, this wasn't my favorite, but you know, I like where we're going. Yeah. Uh, A movie we haven't really talked about much because it's like, it's, we won't see it until next year, but Deadpool three. Yeah. We know is a like multiverse movie and like the TVA is involved and like other heroes are involved in like, I think Deadpool is going to be like a linchpin of like, do people care? Not just because it's Deadpool, but do people care about this multiverse stuff? Because like, I, I know a lot of people watch Loki and Loki, I think both seasons of Loki are good and has a pretty high, like, you know, like a people watching rating or whatever. Um, but like, do they care about it enough? Like in a Deadpool movie where the the next Deadpool movie is foundational for the multiverse saga. That's just right. like, do pe- I think people are going to go see Deadpool, but like, I don't know if they're going to care if like, Owen Wilson shows up, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It feels it feels like a Devil Three feels like a really interesting movie to be in the middle of we're building to the end of the world. Well, this and this would be one of those things where like it it would it would feel more impactful if it feels like it's another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Of everything mattering, of of what it's building to. Just just in the way that we find the infinity stones. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the threat of King is omnipresent. But if we are backing off of that threat entirely and saying pretty much resolved 
instead of it feeling like a slowly encroaching cloud that it has been up to this point. Yeah. You're right. Then the multiverse kind of feels like, well, people should be tired of it for because it really it doesn't matter. Led to nothing. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, like most of it led to nothing. Like we got a what if show. Loki had its its Kang stories, and otherwise we're good. Like otherwise it's just cameo fodder. That's uh, what I'm speaking. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm three episodes into What If. It's pretty good this season. I'm happy about it. You are also three episodes into What If. Yeah. Uh, so far, happily, I have enjoyed it. Happily surprised. Yeah. But notably, have not hit the Captain Carter episodes. So, <laughs> um, I also want to say, um, because you talked about the, this kind of blockbuster, it, what's going on this year is a is a just general movie problem. You know, you look at like, um, but one of the things that, that, I, that you didn't bring up, which I think is so interesting, is how... Um, uh, uh, the the billion dollar linchpin, uh, the billion dollar mark, has become so so detrimental to um, box office analytics. Well, um, sure. Because you look at Fast X, which made what was it, seven hundred million? Um, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, uh, Mission Impossible Seven, um, all made honestly respectable amounts of money, but none of them hit a billion. And yeah. because their budgets were closer to three hundred million each. And in Mission Impossible's case, they had a reason because they were keeping everyone on uh, when they were the, when they were in filming for uh, multiple years. Um, and then the, obviously the, the second film being filmed at the same time. Um, uh, you look at like the all three of those films are considered disasters. Yeah. But realistically, they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, even Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is, is seen as a disaster. And it's top 10 of the year. That's um, wild. That one year, what was the... Uh... Like the year that Endgame and Lion King, all those movies come like every single Disney movie made over a billion, and they're yeah. like, "Wow, we're in the gravy for the rest of our lives." And there, it's never going. That will never happen again. Never happen again. That will and never it, happen again. They were just so. That was the luckiest year Disney will ever have in its yeah. in its lifetime. And like again, like look, whatever we, whatever you think about the quality of these, I didn't like Fast X or Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny. Um, but like, whatever you think about the quality of them, audiences still went to see them. And any other year, these would have been these would have been seen as as not maybe not successes, but like not disasters. Like the like the trades want them out to be. Um, the the year just wasn't as dire as it as it as it sounds. And everything everything that was a, a, a bomb or a disaster can easily be explained uh, w with uh, inflation. As Spark said, marketing was a big factor of it. I mean, the you know, there's yeah. all this talk the strike. All this talk about like DC floundering this year mostly is because after Flash they didn't market shit. Maybe I saw a, a blue a billboard for Blue Beetle, but I certainly a TikTok for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is all it got. And so like nobody nobody knows these movies are even out, and whether or not they want to see them is a completely other thing. Because there yeah. are good movies out that, as Spark said, they would rather spend their twenty dollars uh, to see. Yeah, right. It's so crazy it's that Captain Marvel and Aquaman both made over a bill, and then both their sequels came out this year and flopped. That's yeah. just it's it's just like a different landscape. Think, but I think also like it's worth uh, someone pointed out really well that it's like yeah, the Marvels only made three hundred dollars, uh, three hundred million dollars, uh, which means that the Captain Marvel franchise remains a franchise that made a billion and three hundred million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Like it it doesn't mean like there's no viability to this anymore. You yeah. don't just abandon the characters because of uh, something like this. And the same could be said for Aquaman, except they are. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but it, it, it really does like kind of help to put it into the perspective that isn't what the trades say, isn't what the shareholders hear, isn't what um, the CEOs feel the pressure to have to live up to now, uh, but is like, Hey, 
yeah, it continues to be a part of that already over a billion profitable franchise success. Yeah. Um, yeah, you didn't make the... And like, yes, they're spending too much money on some of these movies, for sure. That's also a factor. And yeah. so they shouldn't be ballooning up the budgets in the in the wake of trying to reach those things. The other thing is that also inflation is happening there too. Um, and like wages need to increase for people who are in the industry. So those budgets do have to be high, unfortunately, because everything's going up in price. So those budgets are going to look high. Doesn't matter if they're if they're delivering the work. Um, I think it's far more a problem that there is a uh specifically with Disney, but I think in a general sense with IP-driven stuff, that there is an idea of turn on the faucet and never turn the faucet off or we won't make any money. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I just don't think that's the way. Um, you obviously have a really great comparison in Godzilla Minus One, the, the team behind it saying, like, who knows when the next one is. Um, when, this, we're, we, yeah. when, we got the time, when we got the right story, that's when we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it could be years. Uh, there's no like Godzilla minus one sequel two years from now. Um, and it's hard with the MCU because like, there's so much you want to do and there's so much you want to cover, but like everybody has been saying like, we don't want the MCU to stop. We just want them to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Just call it a control effort and thought into what they're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, where should we move on to next? That was a fun discussion. Um, I think it's all trailers and gravy from here. Oh, no, it's not. We have one other thing. Do we? Is it is it dirt or is it a flower? Uh, Y'all want to talk about that One Piece anime announcement from Netflix? I, I know nothing about it. So uh, it it's just, just it's, it, it so, sounds like they're doing Dragon Ball Z Kai for One Piece. That is essentially what it sounds like. Yeah. Um. Every within a day, everyone was very excited. There was a very exciting uh, drawing released of uh, kind of like this hint that not only would this be like, this wasn't going to be Dragon Ball Z Kai, it's like a, uh, a re-edit re -edit of the original animation with some things like spliced yeah. into to, with new animation to look better and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, this is a full-blown like top to bottom new anime. I just meant like um, cut, cut it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that yeah. is trying to match the manga more, uh, more accurately would probably be Brotherhood. Oh, full metal. Yeah, that's better. Uh, right. Which, which uh, picks up. Now it's weird as a lot of people have pointed out, to do this not only while the original anime is still running, yeah. but also the manga. The manga is still not over. Um, uh, some people feel like it kind of takes the wind out of the sails on the anime team um, for what the work they've been doing, but I think like they're pretty deep in it. Like It doesn't matter. Oh, they're so deep. Um, yeah. uh, they could just keep doing what they're doing. But it is weird to do it when the manga isn't even finished. Normally, these things have waited for the story to be done, and that's the point, is to be able to do it as succinctly and clearly and with all the pieces of like extra foreshadowing that they now know and that kind of thing. Yeah. But a lot of people are really excited. They're like, oh, I would love... like, And it's fair. One Piece is almost 30 years old. That's crazy. Well, it is 30 years old. Yeah. Like, uh, it, 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 there are new generations who don't want to watch a thousand episode anime to, to engage with One Piece. Like there are kids who yeah. are going to want to engage with One Piece, don't want to watch that old ass anime. Yeah. Like, yes, it's still, it looks good today. It doesn't look as good, uh, you know, back when they were doing season three of filler. Yeah, yeah. Like it just doesn't. Um, so yes, through Netflix, they announced this, um, the studio behind uh, the One Piece, which is the title has teased, that it'll be different from the original in terms of uh, the style. Um, uh, it, it promises a new trajectory aiming to present Luffy's adventures in a new and nostalgic way. Um, no one really knows what that means. And it has the opportunity to streamline the story, improving consistency and pacing. Um, but the big thing is 
uh, as with Wit Studio, which people like, um, have liked their work uh, before. But the problem is mm -hmm. that very quickly, people started to notice the way they were talking about sounds like they're going to be using AI. They said like a, like new technology to really help like bolster animation. Yeah. Uh, and that has put a lot of red flags up. And unfortunately, within a week, um, official like One Piece stuff was sharing a song and visual that they up front were saying this is AI generated. Yep. Um, Even the song? Shared, huh? Even the song? Yes. Ooh. Uh, and they shared this up front, and so did the creator of One Piece, which everybody was really, really sad about. Yeah. Um, and, and Fuel goes thematically and spiritually against what things that have happened in one piece um but this is the big thing is that like it's it's the the terrible monkey's paw where everybody is very excited to have the one piece in anime that's going to be more succinctly telling the story of the manga and also it said but a lot of it's going to be probably generated with ai and everybody went no why um and that's where we are is that uh while it has not been officially confirmed that ai is going to be used people are reading between a lot of the lines and it seems incredibly likely that ai is going to be used on this anime series yeah and like I don't want AI to touch anything ever, unless it's like you know, like technology shit, like with my with like editing or my phone or some baloney. Siri, help me find this recipe or some bullshit. Uh, I really hope it's a situation where like just because you know whether it was translated weird or something, where like it is still going to be like it's still going to be animated with the help of AI instead of like them relying on it. We're like that's still not great. Yes, yeah, so there's like, always there's always room for AI tools, but yes. people are concerned that there's this is going to be AI replacing yeah, yeah, yeah. work. Uh, I I just think it's. I am really concerned about it. I think it's too early to really know. Once we get a trailer, like, yeah, we, we know what AI looks like. We know what, what that shit looks like when it's generated. So, like, I'm hoping that, like, again, it was just maybe, like, they worded it poorly or it's, like, a bad translation. And, like, they really aren't just, like, replacing artists because they want to get a new One Piece audience. Uh, but, like, hey, man, the world is, like, Hollywood can be cynical. So, like, I, I see people using this opportunity, like, yo, we can bust this shit out in, like, a month. We and just, I'm like, it's we really scary. We were watching um, The Office on Peacock, mm -hmm. and they had ads. And there was an ad for... Oh, the McConaughey one. The McConaughey AI ad. And I'm like, oh my god, I hate that we're here. No, but that's that's making fun of AI. Yeah. That's not like they purposefully are saying AI isn't doing it. It's people, and it's literally him walking with boots that yeah, are backwards. backwards. Like, yeah, it yeah. is deliberately showing how shitty AI is. So like, yeah, yeah. it is weird that we're using commercials using AI to make. To this make is a, the thing. It's weird. That, like, it's, it's weird. It's that, it, it's that like. <laughs> I, I get the skeevies of like, but we're we're also reinforcing it. Like it, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like we're it's we're, weird. We're getting into that dangerous place, but it definitely is disheartening to know that like, probably the most anticipated like anime revival you could you could do at this point. Yeah. Um, I think barring only a reanimated uh, original Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, is happening, and it might be happening with AI covering for the work of real artists, which is really disheartening. I agree. I don't understand. I've I've said when AI was starting to go, I don't know if you guys remember, but like I don't understand. I've said this from the beginning. Why did AI why did these AI tech bros why did this 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 whole thing of like this tool decide to go for art? Art is intrinsically human. Uh, I I'll I'll tell you that like because of my job, which I won't get into specifics about of who I'm talking about, but I I some of the things I work on are like tech webinars and uh like investment 
fun discussions and things like that. And in those things, I can tell you 100% what it is, is that companies and their leaders, we've already talked about, they're stupid. They are pouring millions into these uh, tech bros who are promising them this can uh, essentially cut your budget on things because you can do this this fast instead of hiring these people to do it for this amount of time. And like that is that has become such a regurgitated and repeated narrative, regardless of the fact that like the 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 technology is not at the point that they're selling it at. Um, that people are like now throwing the money to invest and finance and chase that because they want that idea of the exponential growth. And like it's disgusting and it's wrong. And because art shouldn't be done that way. And there there was a different way to go about this of investing in AI tools as tools to support artists rather than in replacement AI. But the fad and the thing that has taken the narrative is replacement AI uh, allowing people to just subvert the work into simple, really well, simple stuff they just type in. Well, I remember remember when um, the strike started and this dude on Twitter was talking about how he can make uh, $10 billion movies um, in, in 10 weeks through, through artificial, uh, through generative AI, uh, because he's a screenwriting prodigy. Like, I, I still think about that 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 horrible video. I, I can't believe I Did watched it. Did the one of the girl singing? No, no, it was just this dude talking about like how these greedy artists are are asking for too much. Give me ten billion dollars and I'll make you ten billion dollar mm-hmm. movies. Um, right. And it was, it was this whole thing. I, I I think about them all the time. Um, but like the thing is, the thing is like Sparks. The question I, I asked was rhetorical, uh, but I appreciate you asking it. It is something that I knew though. Um, it, it's it's mostly that I wanted to vent it because like I I have to see it and I'm frustrated because I. Sure. I it's so obvious, I think, to us that right now a lot of it is a scam. I won't say all, yeah. but a lot of it. A lot of it is a scam because they're saying like this can this can replace. Nothing has proven that they can do that. Nothing has shown that AI will ever actually make a film that could rival a Pixar film. Like it's it's not real. That's not real. And even if we got there where they can like generate the imagery, like that doesn't mean the heart of the production is there. Um, but, but because the people with the money believe it, yeah, they make entire companies, regardless of if the people under them don't support the idea, pivot in the direction of investing in that future. That doesn't exist. The people that the unfortunate thing is all the people below, like the, the billionaires are artists and anyone who owns the studios, they don't care about art. They care about making money in whatever means necessary. So like, Oh, I can get the same image for a tenth of the price and 10 times faster. And I can't tell the difference because I actually don't care about it. Right. And that's, that is, that is what all of us are, are dealing with now. Like there's so much AI shit on, on Twitter. Like, well, look at this image I made. I didn't need to be an artist. I'm like, bro, can you tell she has seven fingers? What are we doing? The the thing that I, that I always just like, just to, fin- just to finish my lamenting. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just the thing that like, from the, from the dawn of our, of our, evolutionary lineage uh art has been has been there from cave paintings you know the art is something that was sacred that was seen as like it's it's something that only we can make we're uh you know i don't i don't know if this is true or not but like it we're we're probably the only species on this planet that make art in the way that we know it what 
I was just gonna bring up because I think it's cool. There is an elephant that paints. I was literally gonna. I was oh. thinking it. I was thinking it. I no, I do remember. I do remember the elephant. Yes, it's very cute. But like, but like, you know, that elephant is painting in the way that we know it, right? Like, art, art that that what we see as art is so. It's it is in our DNA. It's what it's we. An it's an expression of humanity. Right, it's an expression of humanity, and and it's so important and impactful, and it has been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years all throughout our 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 evolutionary line um and and now we're at this place where people truly believe that and like admittedly the bad people uh i'll I'll say that i'm not saying it's it's the majority of people but like the bad people are out there thinking that the thing that 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 is that is so intrinsically us that is so ingrained in our dna that is so uh, expressive uh, can be taken away and done by technology and computers, and and technology has always been used. Whenever technology, whenever new technology, what's always been so beautiful about technology is that whenever there's been new technology, uh, yes, it's been used for war, it has been used for um, human advancement, but it's also been used for art. You know, uh, new new paintbrushes are technology, new tools are technology. Computers were just a new canvas that we can make our art on, and now we're looking at a world uh, where where these these out of touch billionaires can take away that because they think that a computer can do it better or cheaper, more importantly, cheaper. And like, yeah. it's just it's so depressing. Yeah, I I, I hear you, and I want to give you as much possible optimism as I can. As I really quickly first pull up. Amy Buckner's comment green has no soul and neither does AI. Also, hello and happy new year. Happy new year to you. I agree. Greed has no soul. Um, Greed has no soul. uh, Exactly. Some optimism that I do want to inject you with Brandon is I think, I think this year has actually proven as this AI is on the rise, how stupid and non-permanent that is going to be because what are the films we highlighted that people are like, they got jazzed about. It's Godzilla minus one. It's Oppenheimer. It's Barbie. Um, it's it's across the Spider Verse. It's uh, uh, give me another one. Um, it's Mission it's Impossible Dead Turtle. Reckoning Part One. AI can't make Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh, no. Tom that's part can. of the point. That's part of the point is <laughs> yeah. that it can't be done. And like, what are the films that didn't do well? Right, that didn't resonate with audiences. Um, you know, or or projects that didn't resonate. It's it's a lot of things that feel like they're driven by IP. They're driven by the minds of executives who are literally shutting down the voices of the artists for what they think the audiences should have, what they think is going to make them money. And it the projects have suffered because of it. Secret Invasion, the Marvels, uh, the Flash, all of it has suffered because of executives interfering and in saying what they think the thing needs to be rather than allowing it to be the art. And that right there proves that this AI idea can't work Yeah, because people don't want it. They don't want it when it's regular people being forced to do it for the executives bidding. They're not going to want it when it's AI doing it. Sure. Um, and, and like, I do think that's ultimately going to win out that people don't really gravitate. Like, even if they don't know it's AI inherently, they're not going to be interested because it's going to be like that. It's going to be worse. Subconsciously, they'll know like something's off. Something looks weird. Like there are sure. definitely people who are cool with AI. This doesn't, like, this doesn't have the heart and soul yeah. of an artist's expression the way that Godzilla minus one does. Uh, and like AI can't replicate Godzilla minus one. You know what's a great? You, you know what's a? You know what's a great 
you know, it's really great. Uh, we talked about it on our last Doctor Who episode, Sparks, but like loving Vincent. Sure. You know, what a beautiful movie. That movie right. is every frame of that film is an oil painting drawn in the style of Vincent van Gogh. And it's a gorgeous movie. AI could never, AI 100% right. could never make a movie like that. Right. Um, that movie is filled to the brim with human being human sweat. I feel I sound like the doctor, but like, you know, like the, the beautiful hum, humanity in that in that movie that has such soul to it. Uh, people just pouring in artistic expression about an artist, about one of the yeah. most important artists of all time. Uh, and and you're right, like the those are the things that people really like to gravitate towards. And in the case of like animated films like Elemental or Across the Spider Verse, sure, AI tools are probably used, and they're just like they're used as new as new as new tools all the time as but, tools. Yeah. as tools exactly and but not but to go that extra step and to say that it could make art is honestly in my opinion wrong and i i hope you're right sparks i hope that we're that we that we do see that like the the you know what maybe you know i'll give you even give you an example of why, of why you're right remember when everyone thought that jay garrick in um the flash was ai generated and how people just wholeheartedly like uh uh, uh just like rejected that yes. um you know, you know, so could point to be proof that you are correct that like that that, that it just it won't work. In that same sequence, there's the Adam West guy, and one of them doesn't have any ears, and he's just, yeah. just man. He's not Batman. He's just man. And I'm like, did you guys even look at this? Do you even yeah. care? I don't. They don't care. That's also the thing. That's yeah. like, and luckily NFTs died this year. Thank the Lord. I was gonna say the same thing. Like, yeah. The, the death and of NFTs. All those guys moved over to AI because that's the next quick scam on people, yes. Yes. and like it probably won't die as fast. But, but like, die. but it it will die because it will die. Well, I think what will happen is like there will be the people who are just trying to scam it into it can replace people, yeah. and there will be the people who understand what it actually can do, which is become tools, yeah, uh, yeah. and advance the tools. And tools are fine. There are things that AI can work as a tool to help you get done faster to convey your art when working off of the work of the artist, yeah, wielding it. I got a great example. I brought it up one of the last times we talked about AI, but there is pretty much every single game you'll ever play that has a tree in it uses this AI software called Speed Trees. And that's so you can populate a world with thousands of unique looking trees because realistically, y'all, you can't have one person paint 10,000 trees in a world. That would take forever. It's not necessary. Trees are not that important, you know, overall like uh, geography or whatever, right? Having AI make, here's a thousand variations of that tree is a tool but it's not replacing the person who has to first draw that kind of shit in the first place. Like we are not replacing. I don't know if you guys saw, there was a guy who like, he made like the matrix in stop motion use or in the claymation using AI. It looks awful. Terrible. Their eyes are going all over the place. Yeah. And like half the people who watch it are like, Oh, it looks cool. But like, they're not really thinking about them. The other half are like, yo, this is dog shit. Like, I do not want to watch a movie like this. Right. And like, we, we are going to get, like, there's that one movie about a famous singer who's going to be AI-generated, right? I forget who it is about, but, like... Oh, yeah. I forgot there, about that. When, when a big version of that comes out, it is going to be met with, like, vitriol and hatred. And, like, 1% of people will think it's cool. Everyone else will go, oh, wait, this is weird and gross. I don't like it. And that will be one of the big linchpins of, like, we need something yeah. big to come out before everybody really jumps on board on the negative train. Right. Because mm -hmm. like it's mostly just like artists right now. Regular people well, really aren't and a lot of it, it. And a lot of it is like they think AI is taking off because AI's presence is social media where it's being used to create like video graphics for like brief 30 second things where people know it's AI. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, but it can be refined and it can look better and blah, 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 blah. Or or they, they're just like using it to fill space. Yeah. Uh, and that's where it's like, 
having its heyday right now. And I don't really think it's going to get bigger than that as far as like AI that can replace artists kind of concept. Like it's not sure. going to go beyond that. I, you can't go a day on TikTok without watching somebody using like an AI voice text to speech generator. But we've also been doing it for decades. Like my, the original like old Microsoft computers had a, a text to speech bot that can do like that kind of shit's fine. It's when you were replacing actual human beings at the yeah. at the forefront of it is like, I, d I don't think it'll ever get that bad, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think the future is bright because I think this this year in particular has proven a desire for artists to tell their stories uh, by the things that people have gravitated towards and the things that they haven't. Um, so hopefully that lesson will sink in eventually. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, CEOs are stupid. Um, they spend their billions poorly and they don't know what the heck they're doing. So they're going to follow this dumbass trend for longer than they should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think ultimately art and the human condition will win out. Okay. I hope so. Um, well, we'll see what happens with that One Piece anime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, before we go into trailers, I think let's just uh, make a brief pit stop in um, discussing something we're all watching at various points. Ryan's completed it. I'm near completion, and Brandon's uh, uh, four episodes in. Um, Doctor Who. Oh. Huh? <laughs> I said Doctor Who. <laughs> um scavengers rain which is a uh we we talked about before when trailers came out it's a uh new series uh animated series on uh, max hbo max animated by titmouse um there what was a name. there was a short that came out in 2016 called scavengers uh which uh, has been on youtube i highly recommend checking that out as well um but we talked about this a while back uh talking about like art and what ai can't do good lord this show is filled with it yeah, um, AI could never. Uh, uh, the 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 uh, sheer imagination on display in the show is um, uh, astounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it took over two years to animate, and you look at you watch like just the first episode, and go, oh, I get it. And then you watch half the half the season, and you're like, oh wow, really? And then you watch the whole thing, and you're like, they really did this in two years? Are you kidding me? It's like an arcane situation. You're like, I can't believe the show is real. Yeah, like the human beings could put this out because it feels like. Every episode has five to ten things that you've never seen before in your entire life. Every single episode. Uh, it is, it might be the most, like, imaginative show. Like, honestly, next to, like, something like Adventure Time, which also has like, a lot of, like, really weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's, but, like, this show, it is so special. And, like, I'm so glad that we all got to it before the end of the year. Um, it's just, it's, it's remarkable. And what I love about it, and I'm, I'll just talk about it way more in our top 15, but, like, I love that the characters feel real, too. They're not, they're not archetypes. They're not like, oh, this is the crazy one. This is the funny one. This is the smart one. They all feel like people trying to survive on the worst planet ever created. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is the definition of na damn nature, you're scary, the TV show. Uh, every episode, something horrible happens or something beautiful happens. And I'm astounded. Or both, or both at the same time. Uh, and it's like, this is the exact same type of thing like to bounce off the AI uh, conversation of like, this is something only only beautiful, imaginative people can make. Um, and it's just, it's so special. So if you happen to be watching this, please watch Scavengers, Rain. You deserve to watch it. One of the things that I used to talk about a lot with um, our friend Matt, actually, was um, when we were younger, we used to talk about how, you know, I want to see something that like, you know, you never really see something in movies or TV shows that's like totally alien. Like so much of, so much of what's alien feels like it, 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 it comes from, 
from creatures from our real from from our planet you know it's oh that's a space cow that's a space bird that's a space the um you know and even avatar which is a franchise i really like it's very much like that you know there's it's like a rhino with peacock feathers yeah and and there's a lot like that but like what i really like about scavengers rain real quickly sparks i'll just say this yeah, 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 um yeah. is is that it feels truly alien I get just like truly alien. And there's some species, there's some animals where I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a bird. That's a, this, but like, there's so, but there's also like, there's one bird that has like bones on its back that like clamp down and that's, and they like trap you. And like, um, and it's also got like feathers. It's a really cool imaginative show that I, that, more than anything, I just gravitate towards its imagination. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those, uh, to, to your point, where usually when you have like uh, an alien movie or something like that, um, they usually put like a lot of imagination on the screen for that one alien. Um, and that one type, like the xenomorph is incredibly cool and, and yeah. well thought out and, and designed and it is one alien. Um, uh, but the but like you don't get like a smorgasbord of an environment of things that are that are just as imaginative as that like all that creativity gets poured into like one specific thing and here yeah. the creativity is just everywhere and that you're right that is rare and it's like one of the reasons i like avatar is when even though there are like contemporary associations especially with like under the ocean for a lot of the things we see in avatar it's still like more environmental imagination than we usually see sure. uh on the screen but this is just like in spades. The closest thing I can even think of that comes to the level of imagination here is actually um, Midnight Gospel, which is a series uh, on Netflix by the creator of Adventure Time, mm. um, which oh, is right, which has like not the same kind of thing. It's not about an alien planet or that kind of thing. But as far as like animation showing how thing a thing does a thing you couldn't have even predicted it would do and like yeah. moves into another space. Like Midnight Gospel has a lot of that to it. Um, but that's more a representation of like purposefully a trippy uh kind of like abstract uh environment. Yeah, yeah. Um that is designed that way. But that's like the closest comp I can think of uh to what you get in Scavenger's Rain, which I, I ultimately agree with uh so much with your point, which is just you so rarely get an environment of like you couldn't have ever like in your wildest dreams yeah. thought of exactly these things and, it never, and what they're doing. And it never stops. Yeah. There's like, just there's 12 thing. episodes. And like, again, like there are like a, like up to a dozen things that you've never seen before. And some of them will be on frame for three seconds. Yeah. And it's still well, like more imagination than most movies will have. Do you remember, um, do you remember uh, the episode? I think it was episode three. When um when they're when uh, the the I don't remember everyone's anyone's name at this point, moment but like sure. uh, the wall that they're in uh and the the girl uh like goes to see this like light thing Ursula. and yeah or, and then it like and You're then like about the little flower thing with the lights and the with pulls the, the dude out and I, yes yeah yeah like what like the, what the, like that that is such a really interesting encapsulation of the show because like. Everything in the sh in the planet. The reason why the Avatar comparisons come up um, is because like the is because like very much like Avatar, the planet is very much sympathetical with the with the the species that live on the planet. Um, it's very much like um, like we see we see multiple times whenever a, whenever an animal dies, it becomes like it grows a plant. Um, yes. We've seen this twice now where I where I'm at. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, 
us and like everything in the like the everything in the planet becomes a plant uh, or that becomes an animal and like the the way and like very much like avatar avatar talks a lot about how like the species of pandora um are connected to the planet of pandora in a way that are that we're earth is just not like um right. and very much like and it's very very similar but taken to like such an extreme almost almost trippy almost nightmarish frequently nightmarish uh way um that i think is just really really cool to watch yeah um i, I and i think like i like the way you separate like plant and animal and, and that kind of thing because like one of the things i i've gravitated towards in, in really appreciating how they're constructing the environment is that sometimes there's a thing where I'm like, that is a plant. And sometimes there's a thing where I'm like, that is an animal. And then there are things where I'm like, that is both. Yes. That is both. That is yeah. both. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I love that. Like it's, it's so, it's so free form with its uh, way of shifting between different species and different yeah. interactions. Um yeah, it, it's truly, truly very special. I'm, I'm thrilled that it's there. I'm thrilled that we're all watching it. Um, I, I hope more people check it out because, like, I don't even necessarily like. It's got. I just want more people to see it. I don't. It's not even necessarily about like, oh, season two. I mean, like, that'd be great. Whatever. Uh, I, I want to see these animators do whatever they want. Um, but it's more about just people should be watching this. This is very special. Hundred percent. It's such an interesting turn for Titmouse too. Um, this might be probably one of their more like uh experimental probably their most experimental show they've done possibly um, and it's really cool to see them put in this like i mean like this is this is uh the, you know they do adventure brothers um uh star trek lower decks big mouth but like you look at what they what they put out i'm on their website now uh and scavenger reigns is just unlike anything that I've seen of theirs, and admittedly I've not seen all of them. Like I've not seen Metalocalypse. I know you guys are fans of Metalocalypse. Sure. Um, but like uh it's really cool to see a company, an animation company, uh put out something this imaginative just in general. Yeah, and and this is like it's this is like old like adult swim folks. And like the fact that this is like because like the the first episode, I was like, I didn't realize there was Titmouse until like I looked it up, and I'm like, man, this feels like I should be watching this on Adult Swim instead of HBO Max. Mm -hmm. But then sure. I look at like then the caliber and quality of it, it's so high. Not that again, not that the Adult Swim shows aren't, but like this is just hitting on another level, dude. Like and like it never stops. Like there's not a lazy episode. There's not like a an oh we're gonna take it easy on this episode. It just keeps getting like crazier and crazier as we go on. Uh, and the fact that they're able to have human elements that continue to get better and better throughout the show, I think is incredible. And the stuff they do with robots is, I don't, you guys aren't there, but it's just endlessly fascinating. Like it's, it's such a- I've seen some. Seen some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's such a fascinating uh, idea. Like this, this feels like, I can't even imagine, like the idea is, oh, we're stranded on an alien planet, but I felt they were just like, they were trapped in a room for a month. Like we need to come up with a thousand unique ideas and every single one will be seen on screen. No matter if it's for one second or ten minutes, it's just like, yeah, it's so special. It is such a special product. It yeah. it really is. Um, I'm really thrilled to have it. Um, I was thinking as you were talking, like uh, the the it's not a one to one, but like the tone, like you were saying, like the weight of it, uh, uh, being on the sex level, not in 
the way that the world is translated necessarily, but certainly the the vibe uh, reminds me a lot of Annihilation. I was going to say, I saw it subscribed as Studio Ghibli's Annihilation, and I'm like, that's really funny. That's really, <laughs> that's really <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, it definitely does have, like, it definitely has that vibe. Uh, we're like... Eh? When they when they eat, it would look better, though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. Oh, yeah. All the food would look super succulent. Uh, yeah. And I just like how, like, again, it's like going against archetypes, and, like, anybody can die at any time. Characters can like can like you think a character will die and then they'll be fine. It's like, yeah, it's really really engaging, uh, and I'm just I'm so impressed. Uh, and like I just I know the show is like critically like it's like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like like everyone who's ever seen the show loves the show. I just don't know many people are talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what really worries me. Again, like I don't I would love for the show to go on forever, uh, but like I just want more people to watch it because like it just needs recognition. Right. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, I look forward to watching more of it. I, I would speak more on it, but I haven't. I've only seen the first four, so there will definitely be a moment to talk about it in the top fifteen because I know for a fact Ryan's got it. I probably do as well, oh. though I haven't completed everything. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Is it time Lovely. to enter the let's, trailer part? Let's do some trailers. Let's um, start simple. Let's start with if, um, which is from the imagination um, of John Krasinski. Yeah, I think this looks pretty cute. Um, it's a kids' movie feels like it um uh i kind of get a little uh slumberland vibes from it um sure. from the trailer um i i'm uh i'm intrigued i'm not sure if i'm intrigued because i just like this type of movie or if i genuinely think it looks good but i i i, I will definitely check it out but that's honestly all i've got here <laughs> although i i did like the the marshmallow joke that was pretty funny that was good um, the main thing for me about it is that I'm just really interested to see John Krasinski do something that's not Quiet Place. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, as far as a director uh, and creator, I, I just I just really like this is a wholly different direction, and I'm really interested to see what he's bringing to the table for it. And I'm also just a fan of kind of getting back to doing uh, cartoon figures interacting with live action people. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, Space Jam New Legacy notwithstanding. Um, I, I really like what can be done in that space, a very Who Frame Roger Rabbit kind of feel of things, and fully embracing the the cartoony standing alongside uh live action. I I, I really like when those things work, and yeah. I think this is a case where that could could be. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I particularly I, I particularly yeah. like the design of um the the small female character, which is voiced by Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh mm -hmm. Uh, the way that she looks in a space next to live action people, I'm like, oh yeah, there's something that like I just really enjoy about looking at it. One of the things that I did really like about it is that um, all the imaginary friends look unique. They don't yes. all look like they're animated with the same textures. They yeah. look very much like they're done uh, in different ways, as if different kids had imagined them. Yes, I like that too. Like her, her character is very much in the style of like classic Mickey Mouse era cartoons uh the, the, yeah that very that very design and then you've got steve carell's which is like just a big uh kind of like out of a dreamworks uh, uh anime movie like it reminds me a lot of the home uh character show, show. um uh blown up into an imaginary friend like uh, but but to that point like just a lot of very different interpretations and and the the possibility for imagination feels really wonderful yeah, yeah. that's that's the only honestly the only positive i have for this trailer is is how unique and different all the 
all the imaginary creatures look. I think it kind of looks like a pretty generic looking kids movie and Ryan Reynolds is doing Ryan Reynolds, which is great. I don't, I, I, you know, it's fine. Uh, but like besides the animation, I'm like, I don't, um, this one's probably not for me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that makes I'm, sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for something special. We'll see. Uh, there's a, there's another movie with imaginary friends coming out called Imaginary, and that's about a killer little doll who's just by a demon. <laughs> yeah. That's the one I want to see. <laughs> sure, sure. That also looks generic as hell, but I want, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm intrigued. Um, let's do Kung Fu Panda 4. Must we? Yeah, why not? Mm. Don't you love I Kung Fu Panda? I love the Kung Fu Panda movies. I think those first three films are really great. I think the first one is a lot is really good. I, I was a defender from the day from day one. I think the second one is incredible. I think that the yeah. third one is almost as good as the second one. Um, yeah. But I, I I love them all. I think they're great. They all they showcase some of uh, the best cinematic villains. Um, yeah. I think Shen has been getting a lot of talk because he's a psychotic peacock. He's wonderful. Um, uh, that third film never fails to make me cry. Thank you, Brian Cranston. Um, so I was excited that they're making a fourth one. Hell yeah, what could go wrong, right? It's been a decade, and look, apparently. And look, here's the thing. Hey, look, we're still on the road to that seventh film. You know, the Kung Fu Panda has at least seven entries inside of it. Remember that old DreamWorks, like, I how many entries that. each of their IPs was going to get Kung wow. Fu Panda at the time? Kung Fu Panda at the time had not had three out yet. Oh, okay. And they were like, yeah, we expect Kung Fu Panda to go on for about seven entries. Bold. <laughs> and the, the thing is, DreamWorks has had bad trailers lately. Yeah. Both Bad Guys and uh, Puss in Boots had uh, trailers that failed to wow. Um, bad Guys especially. Bad Guys is great. Like, genuinely a great movie. To be fair, Puss in Boots Last Wish, I remember the trailer, like, animation-wise impressing the shit out of me. Right, but like there wasn't outside of that, you know, the same thing with bad guys. So I was like, oh, the animation looks really good with bad guys, but like it doesn't really. Bad guys is mostly the example that I want to use because it has a very bad trailer and is it a very it is and it is a very a very good movie. Sure. Um, uh, Puss in Boots is great, um, and so like maybe, maybe that's what happened here. But this. There is something ma massively missing from this movie, from Kung Fu Panda 4, that just doesn't... It's either that it's blatantly retreading the first two... The, the second and third film, at least the trailer looks like it is, uh, or maybe that's just it that's just it i've seen the story we've already seen poe get sure. inner peace and and become the dragon warrior and now we're going to have to see it again but also he's passing on the dragon warrior thing there's an there's an idea <laughs> i can't believe i'm about to go on this rant there's an idea that you could conceivably make a story about poe having to to pass down the dragon warrior uh mantle down to aquafina's character aquafina is a uh, i think is a decent voice actress i think she's fine um but like to, to to pass that down but to also showcase in this trailer again just this trailer that we're going to be retreading the storyline this the 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 major character arc of poe from the second and third film uh while also reusing all three of the previous villains uh which could which has the potential to take away from an from this from the villain that's in the movie just i don't know it's just it's not it's not working for me I'll go. I'll go before you because I've only seen the first one, and that was like when it came out. So I literally, oh, I literally 
the, uh, I, I'll be fine if I don't watch the Kung Fu Panda movies. Uh, like, I thought the villain was a cool idea of I'm a chameleon taking the powers of other people. But like, to your point, Brandon, like we are just revisiting villains we've already seen and we're going to be revisiting a story apparently this character's already gone through. So like, just watching the trailer, I thought it looked pretty cool. But from a story perspective, I'm kind of in your boat now that I know that like, it seems to be retreading stuff. I think the animation looks cool and I love Jack Black. Uh, I just didn't think any of the jokes landed for me in this one. Um, but like, it's interesting they took this long to make a fourth one. Yeah. it's It's been over a decade. That's crazy. Well, they've had like you know four television shows. So, the other uh, fans, do they count? I don't know. I I don't. I really don't know. You know, maybe not. Maybe not anymore. I, I, unfortunately, uh, as as much as I love Chris Swindle, um, friend of the show, <laughs> I have not watched all of the Kung Fu Panda shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I what were to watch think? one, it would be the one that he's in. Um, <laughs> what did you think, Sparks? Uh, I. It it remind uh, it reminds me a lot of Trek Four, um, but like mm. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. The good version of Trek Four, um, because when Trek Four was coming out and the whole plot was like Rumpelstiltskin is throwing Trek into a world where he did, wasn't born. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to mean that we were gonna see the ramifications of like Farquaad got to get rid of fairy tale creatures in his area. Yeah, the fairy godmother had taken over the kingdom from Fiona's parents. All this kind of stuff. So like. The, the logic track for me and i didn't mind like seeing those old villains again if the part of the point was for shrek to recognize like all the good he'd done uh it's a wonderful life that movie that movie did none of it um so so in this in this sense like bringing back the old villains for me is kind of like because you're getting those voice actors back and all that stuff i'm like that's kind of exciting and like i don't hate the idea of a chameleon who transforms into them he turns into into poe who that's transforms so into these old villains and like has their voices. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, as long as like the point is like when those actors are voicing them, they are voicing that chameleon character. So that character is still being built into it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that can be a very powerful villain. I think making Poe have to face uh, the face of Shen again can be really cool because sure. Shen is my favorite villain. Um, Gary Oldman shout outs. Uh, that guy is essentially the, the modern version of scar from the lion King. He's just brutal. Um, I love Kung Fu Panda too. It's my favorite. It's so good. Uh, so so re re putting Poe face to face with that sounds like really cool to me. The, the I agree with you about the point of like rehashing like Poe's story. The the thing that gets me about this is that the five aren't there, um, sure. and and to me the logical story feels like it would have been about Poe now in his place mentoring. Um, oh God, I forget her name, but Angelina Jolie's character, the Tiger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot her name too, but yeah, it's been a and decade. Why, since why movie. wouldn't it be about that? Because he he could mentor her now, um, yeah. and like th this story feels like it's teed up based on the previous films that this could be about her and putting her central focus, uh, of Poe assisting her through a story and having her have to face what she ha we know she has internalized as failures. Uh, for her inability to defeat the other villains and it always having to fall to Poe, what she couldn't le live up to of her own standards. You could do something there. Mm -hmm. And it's shocking to me that they're not, that they're abandoning the five for Aquafina. Um, it's like a soft reboot. That's the part that really like throws me that, and, and like it's too late, but they clearly know they have a problem because the trailer came out and a ton of people were like, where are the five? And they're like, uh, the five are in this movie yeah <laughs> like how much because they're not in this trailer and like so it's it's probably not a lot 
and and that part is the part that's really galling to me that i'm like why is this because i think you're right like pose Poe's journey of inner peace and all that and like becoming the true dragon warrior really does reach a, a seminal conclusion but that doesn't mean that you can't do anything with the character but i do think it should be about him mentoring and it makes more sense to have it be with her um so that's my stance on tigress i should have known her name is tigress um <laughs> oh yeah it's it's monkey and mantis and tigress they're all it's pretty and, and like the other the other members of the five are great are are fun and like i love having them and everything but it's it's about it so often falls down to the relationship between poe and tigress as far as like yeah. what connects poe with the five um and who's who's got the story that where she recognizes poe um and you go from like her disgust at him being chosen as a dragon warrior to her jealousy to her acceptance to her sense of inadequacy next to him and you could have done all this stuff into into kung fu panda 4 so the truly thing that like throws me is why is aquafina's character instead replacing the five and, and playing this role in and i don't like her character design i don't think mm -hmm. it's as creative or distinct or imaginative as other animal characters we've seen in the kung fu panda series including this trailer itself um but i'm really excited about viola davis playing the chameleon that's cool hey you know what i hope that it's i hope it's as good as at least the first one and i hope that we get another great kung fu panda villain because as i said all three are great um i i this trailer was a miss for me and i'm really sad about that but you know again again so was the bad guys and the bad guys is great so like maybe yeah. maybe this is a great movie hiding behind a bad trailer there's an official poster out for this movie and uh uh the villain from the the first one tai lung is there but the five aren't and like i don't know what we're doing <laughs> there yeah, are really buddies i don't even know the names of but the five aren't here they're really showcasing Tylon, uh, 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 Ian McShane's character a lot in this one, um, which probably means J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is the third bad guy, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, and uh, Gary Oldman aren't in it a lot. Yeah, I suspect. Probably. I suspect not, or they're hiding them for for reasons. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But we'll I, see. We'll see. Uh, I. I do think like there was probably a better story that it seems they're missing. Yeah. I I'll hope it's that. good. I hope it's not. I hope it, <laughs> I hope it's not as bad as Trek four. I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't even understand just not having Tigress in the movie. I, I, sure. I can take or leave the rest of the five. Like I, sure. I think they're fun, but they are essentially side characters and like they're, they're side comedy characters, but the idea that Tigress won't be a main part of this movie really throws me. Do you think that it's cause I couldn't get Angelina Jolie? No, I don't think that's the problem at all because I'm, I, I'm sure that she would be in it and like the voice acting would, would not be that big of a chore for her yeah. and that she likes doing it and she is in the movie still to some extent. Okay. Um, the, five, the five weren't in the last two shows, if I remember correctly. The last two Kung Fu Panda shows, the one that was the, the one that had Chris Swindle and then the one that had Jack Black, the five aren't in them. Well, I mean, like the one with Chris Swindle makes sense because it's all about him like living in the panda village with the pandas and like yeah. the five didn't stay for that. So like I, I'd allow that, you know, whatever. But like that's a show. This is the this is the next movie. And like fundamentally pose. I personally and I don't think uh, uh, even the team at DreamWorks would agree with me. The most important relationship I think in Poe's life is his relationship with Tigress across the films. I think they would tell me that it's his relationship with Shifu. Dustin Hoffman's character, which I would disagree mm. with. 
Sure. I think it but is think important in the second thing. I think it's important in the second film, but I think that's yeah, the only movie I, that it's important in. Right. I'm not saying that it's not an important relationship, but I think the 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 core one in those across those three movies is Poe's relationship with Tigress. That's the one that's like growing and developing. Yeah, yeah I hope it's good. I hope it's good. The the directors of the previous three movies aren't coming back. This is a new director. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like they I feel it feels like again coming in from like another like a perspective, like like a soft reboot of like this is the new trilogy where we have you know Aquafina be our, our new main character in a way. I really wish this was Push and Boots. Push and boots push and boots the last wish. I really I wish this was like, you know, a new director came in. Uh, new visual language to the film. We're really going. We're really doing something unique and fun, and uh, kind of like doing it. Uh, like you know, Puss in Boots was this kind of breath of fresh air to the Shrek franchise because um, it, it it looks wholly unique to the rest of them. It's got a new writer. It's got a new director. It's got a new energy to it. This looks like what? There's a DreamWorks movie that I'm thinking about where that didn't have the original directors and was bad but i can't remember what it was um but like i wouldn't mind the change in creative team going into this film if it looked like puss and boots the last wish yeah, yeah but it doesn't it looks like a new creative team came in and is doing a bad version of those first three films sure but we'll well i'll just wait and see uh thank you for saying for sitting with us through some uh, Kung Fu Panda discussion and everything. No, uh, I didn't know you'd never seen two. I could have believed three, but man, I want you to see two. Anyway, One day. Um, why don't you take us to Arrakis? Oh! Hey guys, a movie that one, I didn't know was ever going to get a sequel to, and it got announced and it made me so happy. And then the strikes happen and like, we're delaying this uh, still next year. And then they're like, guess what? We're moving it up a couple months. So we're only three months away from Dune 2, uh, the Dune inning. Uh, I'm just excited to be back with my Paul, baby, baby Paul, Atreides, and Chani, and all those beautiful big sandworms. Because I understand you're wrong. I understand if you think the first movie is kind of boring because like it's not where any of the action happens. Don't worry, guys. The second half of that book, so much action happens, so much shit happens, so many new characters. We got Christopher Walken, we got Florence Pugh, we got we got Austin Butler, Elvis himself. Do you think he'll be fighting Paul, going uh huh uh huh because I can't lose the accent? I'm just so excited. I think I think that would be really unfortunate if he did that in that makeup. I know, right? Uh, I'm just. Uh, I also think this is just a great trailer. You know, uh, uh, Hans Zimmer, the Zim, the Zim man, he's back in full force, really bringing, bringing his whole ass into this one. That's such a funny phrase, but, but I like saying it. Whole ass. <laughs> uh, he just, he's full force into it. He, this isn't his intern doing it. This is Hans himself. Uh, I'm just really excited that, like, we can get to, like, the the big action stuff. And since we already have the emotional investment with the characters, that, like, we don't need to do any heavy lifting, except for, you know, obviously the new characters like the Emperor and stuff like that. Um, it just looks sensational. It looks great. I'm so excited for all my boys to ride some worms. That's all I got to say. Worm boys. Worm boys. And then yeah, we can do Messiah, great. where people turn into worms. Yeah. This looks really great, and I hope this does so. This does well, because... Uh, he. I want to see do Messiah. I want to see do Messiah. I want to see him do all three films. Um, yeah. This one is um, a little bittersweet for me because uh, my dad was a huge fan of Dune, which I did yeah. not know until later in his life. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so uh, this will, this is kind of sad that I, I I will have to see this without him. Um, but it looks really incredible, um, and I'd like to believe that he'd be happy with this. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we've been watching the the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, uh, over the past couple of days, 
And like, I was like, man, they're really never going to make movies like this again. And like, Dune obviously has so much special effects in it. But there's also an insane amount of practical effects and mm-hmm. huge set pieces and huge amount of extras. And I'm like, we don't get these all the time. So like when they do come out and they are as good as they are, like I can't help but rep it. Yeah. And it's also just a, a, a property that I really love. I think Dune is just really cool and like really evaluates like, yo, maybe the white guy is, he, he might be the hero, but maybe he's also the villain. Think about it a little bit. Like I love, I love that. The thing about like the Lord of the Rings trilogy is that like, we'll never see a movie like that again, but we also really don't really see them at the time either. Like the Lord of the Rings is such an interesting like amalgamation of everything that had come before uh, visual effects, miniatures, um, big sets. Like it, it's, it's combining all the techniques that we had learned for a hundred years and culminating into Lord of the Rings. Um, and, and like, uh, and it was, and, it, and it's unfortunate that like, we never really saw that happen again uh because of the digital revolution but like dune is our contemporary dune is our contemporary of like we're we're seeing much like much similar scale happen again here uh i was thinking about it as we we are watching the lord of the rings right now um uh just for fun um uh because we want to but uh as we were watching it last night i was like man this trilogy from peter jackson truly is like the magnum opus of cinema up to that point yes 100 percent. it just is that yeah. And like, I don't know if anything will ever be that again. Um, and like, it's not to say that cinema can't be great after the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It obviously can. Yeah. Um, but but there is something about like that trilogy, that team, that moment uh, in time that is like, this is the pinnacle of film up to that moment. Yeah. And everything film we are going to be a very long time away before we see something do that again. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so, Return of the King won eleven Oscars. Which is unbelievable. No genre film will ever do that again. Ever. It's just, it's crazy. It's such a, it's such a perfect uh, amalgamation of just miniature work and uh, set design and green screen effects and um, um, every, like, The Lord of the Rings, Sparks, you put it so well, like, it, it, Lord of the Rings has every single filmic technique in it. That has ever been developed in the past hundred years. Um, it it is it is using forced perspective, um, green screens, miniatures, um, VFX, uh, uh, beautiful everything, and it and it all culminates in this perfect trilogy of films that Warner Brothers sank probably far too much money into. Uh, but it comes together in in a, in, in just this perfect encapsulation of what of what the beauty of film could be. To bring that back into Dune, while Dune doesn't exactly have that kind of feel of like the culmination of film up to that point, it is very much the contemporary of like, this is a big film on a big set, filming on locations uh, with massive special effects with a lot of uh, with a lot of extras. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's so cool to kind of see that while not on the same scale, but also like happening again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, there's a lot... This uh this trailer I only watched once I didn't rewatch it because I'm frankly trying to like not have too much of it in my head for yeah, when yeah, I yeah. see it at this point um because I already have the books and like I I just kind of want to see what the movie gives me but um what I what I remember is just being like yeah th- this is this is the books and like I I'm not surprised like I felt that way about the first movie it's just I'm I'm ready to go I'm ready to go engage with the rest of that that book we all really enjoyed um and and see the execution of this because it looks truly impressive and astounding just as much as the first one was more so honestly uh 
because of all the things that it's it's got to do with uh, that new book. And there's interpretations of things already that I'm seeing visually that I'm like, yes, this is this is so much what I want you to be doing. Um, I think it's going to be, I do think it's going to be a hit. I think people are drawn to this kind of artistic power when they see it. Mm -hmm. um, like regardless of like genre kind of stuff, like it's just like, you know, something is here. Uh, that there's a there's a clear amount of artistic work yeah. that you see yeah. on the screen that makes you go, I want to engage with that, and if I do it, I want to do it on the big screen. It blows yeah. my mind that Denny Villeneuve, who is like, who is like my favorite modern filmmaker, like he makes a lot of he's made a lot of movies, but none of them have been like 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 big successes. And like Blade Runner twenty forty nine was like a bomb, and that movie's incredible, but like nobody wanted to see that. The fact that Dune is his biggest movie and it's his most expensive movie and it's critically acclaimed with like I, this is unbelievable people like dune like what world are we living in where dune is like one of the big blockbusters of the year like it's it's just magical it's just magical. i think people were just hungry for like the lord of the rings scale sci-fi film yeah and I, I think like blade runner 2049 i'm honestly shocked is it was a bomb like i'm still yeah. to this day because like blade runner became such a blade runner bombed when it came out but it became such a huge cult classic that like i thought for sure there would be a larger audience more interested like in seeing Ford, it in like like people love harrison ford even now so like yeah. yeah yeah and so like that really surprised me so like dune i think dune kind of like hit very much like lord of the rings kind of like this right time right place right director right yeah everything like people were just kind of hungry for a film like this and that's why it did so well i mean we were coming out of the pandemic when this happened when this movie came out i think or were we going into it i don't remember what was the pandemic <sighs> Yeah, we were we were coming out. Twenty twenty we coming out. Yeah, I don't remember. Twenty. Dune came out three years ago. Yeah, was it three years ago. Yeah, because like it it took it, or maybe two years ago. I don't remember. Because the the pandemic has become such a blur. Like it could be like you <laughs> know, I, I, I blinked. Every, and, it ruined. Yeah, yeah. I I blinked and we were out. We were I guess out of it. Um, now we're twenty twenty one. Okay, so two years ago. So yeah, we were kind of, we were kind of like in this area of the pandemic where people were hungry to see these movies on the big screen, and like I think you know G GVK, we talked about this GVK also benefited from the same thing that Dune benefited from of like yeah. we want to see big spectacle on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, uh, we've yeah. Been, yeah. We've been stuck inside too much. We want to go out. That's, we want to go out. Yeah, that's hundred percent true. I think even more to the credit of Dune than than over GVK is. Uh, yeah. Uh, there are some trailers and there are some films with where they don't have to do a lot in their trailers to let you know you don't want to miss this one on yeah. the big screen. Like this is this is one of those ones that like yeah you go you go spend that money like you go do it or you miss like frankly Avatar still yeah. um like is one of those where like Absolutely. the the way that they showcase it to you like regardless of how we feel about you know elements of of Way of Water or the original and story and character and all the things that it delivers the the way that they display what the film is doing shows this commitment to artistry that is so rarely dedicated to cinema yeah uh to the to the degree and amount that is displayed in avatar or here in dune or as we said lord of the rings and so when you see it you just kind of go i i gotta see it there's something you don't get this all the time um, you know, like Star Wars is cool and all. I love Star Wars, but Star Wars doesn't look like Dune. Like, yeah. they're not you know, that when when they drop a trailer for The Force Awakens, it doesn't. It excites you, but it it's not showing you the same. Like, there's something about the artist's work 
all of them, the whole team that they've put into this movie that makes you go, I can't miss this. Yeah. We all have that experience for with certain movies and trailers that come out where you go, I just, I got it. Yeah. Um, Godzilla minus one, honestly, for me, uh, mm-hmm. a similar thing where like the moment that they showed the shot of him uh, coming behind the boat in the trailer, I was like, oh man. Oh, I'm already a Godzilla fan, but like I, I gotta see that one. Uh, that that one's something special's happening here, and they keep extending the movie so everyone can see that movie. It's great. Yeah. Um, one more trailer, right? Kaiju number eight. Kaiju number. Speaking of big, big, big monsters. Uh, just want to touch on it because we finally have like a real full trailer, really showcasing a lot of the animation that's on display. Um, Kaiju number eight. We read it earlier this year. Uh, uh, the first volume, and I kept up with it. Um, but it's a very a uh, cool uh, manga story. I really like the interpretation of what they're doing. Now seeing a lot of the animation in full, um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I'm not, I'm seeing a lot of like uh, uh, really good line work on all of the kaiju designs. Um, they're mm-hmm. really popping. I really, really like it. The action looks frenetic and, and uh, really fast paced. Yeah. Um, to my, to my understanding, this will be a seasonal show. So uh, we'll have this first season and then there'll be another season later um, because the manga is still coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's, I do question if it's a little early to be doing an anime adaptation, but if they take their time, maybe it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we're only like, 80 something chapters in and i don't know how long it's supposed to run but we're definitely not near the end um i still think this just looks really cool and i really like there's the first shot where you see him in his kaiju form in this trailer oh, yeah. and yeah. it's like super sexual <laughs> and yeah. i'm like okay i like that the animation studio is going with that because that's not necessarily in the yeah, manga yeah. but i i'm down with it let's do it and i love uh because uh, Reading it, uh, that book is really funny as well. Yeah. So I like that they're able to showcase, yo, this is an action show. We got big monsters, but it's also going to be funny. Like, there's a lot of instances of like comedy in this in this trailer in the back and the back half of it. Uh, so like they give you a good taste of what you're going to get. And yeah, it looks. All I can ask for is that it looks it looks good. Uh, that it, that it looks well animated. And like this doesn't look like a cheap show. It looks like they're putting they're they're really trying. It looks really yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. I really like the manga. I have the second volume. I just haven't had a chance to read it. Um, uh, but yeah, I um i'm super stoked for this one that's really all i can say who the first the first seven kaiju are though mm. oh yeah it's true uh mm, yeah mm. i know a couple of them and the reveals are good the reveals are good guys they're tasty i like it uh, all right does that lead us to a big announcement yeah i think that'll do it on uh we we've done all our news we've exhausted two and a half hours uh, some really good discussions though uh, yeah yeah uh, we I went think... down some pathways uh it's why i love doing this with you guys it's been a couple of weeks uh you know two and a half hours were warranted um speaking of love doing it with us guys guys the big announcement is this is actually our penultimate episode um okay. what that means is uh figner podcast episode 350 which will be our top 15s of 2023. Um, probably next week. That's what we're aiming for. We'll see if it happens. Um, but soon, that will be our last episode. Uh, no, 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 save your tears for the last episode. Save your tears, save them. Um, but yeah, so we, we've made the decision uh, to end the podcast um, as you know it. Some things will continue. There's a couple of things... Um, Part of the announcement is that uh, there's a couple of things that we're doing uh, that we're going to finish. So, for example, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, we'll finish that. There's a couple of projects that we've 
wanted to finish who knows if we'll get to finish them i would like to for example aliens fire team elite is the one that i kind of really want to finish um scott pilgrim is going to continue on scott pilgrim is going to finish um so like those things uh will finish so it's not going to be like a 350 is out and we're done uh 350 will be the end of the fakener podcast which is the mothership show that's that's it um and then it will and then you'll keep seeing us kind of releasing like fakener's watches basement arcades like kind of that back catalog of stuff that will that we're just winding down so it's not going to be like an end it's going to be like a wind down um so so obviously uh this is not goodbye this is the penultimate episode and 350 won't be goodbye um it'll just be like um Kind of a, a here comes here comes the end kind of thing. Sunset. You know? Well, and and like sunsetting. Thank I'll, you. Yes. Well, and I'll say like not all of those shows are ending. Like Base Arcade Posman, you will continue. Um, the door is open on other things like a fake nerd cinephile. You know, should we? Dune's a great example. Should Doom Part Two come out and Ryan wants to do a, a review with Ben and possibly Brandon or myself if we're available, uh, depending on uh baby um babies then then there will be a fake nerd cinephile that releases about dune part two and like that kind of thing can happen going forward um it's it's more that the the commitment of the main show is something that we all at this point in our lives need to get away from um there are other things that we like and that we we might do or we want to do and and they'll come around when they come around uh but we needed to get away from the the obligation yeah and like I, I will still always want to talk about nerdy shit with you guys. So like, Deadpool three, like I'll like we can still talk about that. You know, just like having a having a. Yeah, I don't like having homework. I'm gonna be honest. Like I'm, I'm too old now to be constantly thinking about like what am I supposed to be thinking about. So being a little more free form in the future, not having a dedicated schedule all the time, will free up a lot of stuff for all of us. Uh, uh, and you know, y'all, we've lasted longer than everyone else we know who does podcasts. So like, hey, I think I think we did a pretty good job. If I'm being honest. And well, yeah, I mean, it's close to a thousand might over might be over a thousand episodes of our shows at this point. I'm not too sure. I haven't done the count. Yeah, that's uh, oh, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. Someone doing the math off the holiday annual. Um, <laughs> uh, Ben's not here, um, but I know that the way that Ben has expressed that that he's thinking of this is less of an end and an, and a more indefinite hiatus. Yeah. Um, uh, that the show's not necessarily. We're not saying we'll never pick it up again we might um our lives are at such a point right now where we need to uh make adjustments um and one of those is is that removal of the the regular obligation of the main podcast um i i do think like we'll come back around for for certain things um what be they cinephiles be they a top 15 next year uh that could happen who knows um the important thing is stay if you like us if you still want to see the stuff we do stay subscribed to all our socials say subscribe to our youtube channel say subscribe to our podcast feeds they're not going anywhere and there will still be content coming out on them there's basement arcades and pause menus that still need to be released as brandon alluded to there's cinephiles that uh we know are coming out there's um fake nerds watch that will happen there's animation stations that will uh peter out over the years there's the real scores that are going to come out uh that's not going anywhere there's who knows um i think more than anything it's that we want to leave for all four of us the freedom to feel like we're when we're showing up here we're doing something that we really want to do and that 
justifies the the time away from the thing other things going on in our lives and like doing the news uh doing the regular Fignor podcast as much as we love doing it with each other uh the obligation of time is really the thing that we've just run up against uh the other thing is um i i had uh a lot of what I was going to say, Sparks said so succinctly, but I will also add that um, conversation will most likely continue into its third season. Yes. Um, I will finish the second season um, and I will get those last three episodes out and then I will probably um, begin pre-production on season three and that will most likely keep going. Um, the thing is, like, I think, I think Sparks, especially Sparks and Ben are being very... Um, uh, optimistic about the future uh, of where we could go and I love that and I think that that's probably likely um, I know uh, uh, Ryan uh, I look forward to all the things you'll do because I know that we've talked about this off air that there are things that you want to do um, the thing of a lot more this this show is creatively restrained like really like it is um, I know it um, uh, it's almost by design and um, not only does it get the the sunsetting the show as 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 Brian said, um, give us the freedom to kind of return at any point throughout the year or years. Um, it also uh, it also allows more creative freedom outside. Uh, there's no more obligation here to be here every week to do three episodes a week to or four, three or four episodes uh, a weekly. Um, now it, you can. Uh, uh, spread your wings, kind of, to be dramatic. Uh, spread your wings to do other things um, uh, from outside of it, and I think that's that's very important uh, going forward. As Ryan said, we've been doing this for seven years. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort uh, for, frankly, no reward. You know, the only reward is just that we like doing it. But what happens when we don't like doing it anymore? And that's kind of what we're rubbing up against. Um, and I think that whether or not Fake Nerd Podcast ever comes back remains to be seen. Um, Sparks is right that uh, Jeremy, him, and I will continue most likely the real score in some way. There will likely, I don't know if this is true, there will likely be a restructuring. Maybe all the shows continue, but they're no longer in the same like network, right? Maybe the maybe the Fake Nerd Podcast family of podcasts goes away uh, because there's no Fake Nerd Podcast anymore. Uh, and maybe like everything kind of exists on its own, doing yeah. its own thing. That that could be something. The thing is, like, what we know for sure is that there's still kind of things to work out later on. Uh, we know that 350 is the last episode, and we know that there are still things within that we have done that we will do that we're going to release in the time. So as Spark said, you know, stay subscribed, uh, stay subscribed to our social medias, um, keep a lookout. These things will keep happening. Um, uh, the other thing is, um, uh, our tea public will remain up temporarily. I'll keep it up for a couple of months, probably. Uh, it costs us nothing to keep up anyway. Um, so if you guys want a shirt or, or something, you know, it's been years, nobody's bought anything, but if you want them, they're there. Um, uh, I'll, I'll add the, I'll add, there's two more things I'm going to add to that, that one. Uh, but our Patreon is gone. So I've gotten rid of our Patreon. Um, so, so, um, no, that's kind of one of the things of like sunsetting looks like, you know, Patreon's gone, T-Bulk will be up, kind of shows are ending. So, 
just kind of we made this decision we think it's the right decision um and we hope that uh you guys enjoyed the ride uh, but we're going to talk about a, a lot more on 350 um uh when we talk about our top 15s so uh stay tuned for that that'll be most likely next week um and uh, ben, ben and i uh we plan on uh playing a pokemon game together so like basement arcade is probably going to be living long and well i'll say that because like sure. i'm at a point where i play more video games than everybody else combined and i need an outlet for that so i'm going to try to utilize that yeah uh uh and i know me and ben have been planning to do this for at least a year so hopefully this gives us a little more time so we can schedule it have it actually come out on time uh because that's something that we both really want to do so yeah. things will still pop things are still gonna come out again like I would love to do a Deadpool three discussion, like like, but that's you know obviously that's months away. But like, every week, four three to four episodes a week, it's a lot, y'all. That's a lot. I will say this: this is kind of the last thing of like, it's kind of the 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 button of like you know maybe we'll come back. I've already said there are things that I would like to do. Obviously, Aliens Fire Team Elite is something I really want to do with you guys. Obviously, the real score. Obviously, conversation. But as far as it goes, I think this will mark the end of my podcasting journey. I mm. think I'm pretty much, I've done a lot of soul searching. That doesn't need to get into it for the audience, but like this happened kind of suddenly. There's a reason why it happened. I put a lot of the blame on myself. And I think that it's, I think I was never cut out to do this. And I should probably take this as a sign to maybe refocus, do other things in my life. and. uh We'll see where that goes. Maybe I change my mind in a couple of months, but who knows? I think this will. We'll we'll see. You got to find what makes you happy, man. That's all. That's what that's what life's about. Yeah, uh, but that's it. That's the big announcement. Announcement episode three four nine. Today's episode is our penultimate episode. Our next one will be three fifty, uh, where we'll be talking about our top fifteens of twenty twenty three. Goodbye, Evangelion. Goodbye, Fake Nerd Podcast. <laughs> I'm very excited about top fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun discussion. Um, that wasn't originally going to be our, our top 15s. We were gonna do something else. Uh, but that it makes sense that that's just that's just going to be what that episode is. It's just gonna be our top 15s. Uh might be live, might not be live. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh but stay tuned. Um, um I, I will also say because Brandon was saying, like, uh, you know, we're gonna try and have it out next week. Um, that might happen. Uh anyone who watched the holiday annual knows knows I'm anticipating baby, and she can yeah. come any day. So sure. if she comes soon. That episode's going to get pushed back, and yeah. we'll we'll do our our farewell because we're not going to do it. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to presume because I'd be the one missing, but we're not going to do it without each other. I assume. No, yeah. For so the, for the final <laughs> one, I don't. So, yeah. So so yeah. if if should uh, my daughter push arrive, back in there, should my daughter arrive early? <laughs> um, expect expect a few weeks delay before we actually yeah. do that because uh, it will take some time to put it back together. Also, potentially give us more time to watch some things to That's see true. if they are on our top fifteen um but as of as of now it is looking like next week but stay tuned stay for sure stay tuned again like spark said stay stay subscribe to our social medias uh we will keep you all up to date there on what's happening when 350 will drop um we'll be on on those when we know for sure that we're hey this is the day we're doing it um so yeah so stay tuned uh very exciting um as i said before just to reiterate there are things still to come uh there are plenty of more fake nerds watches there's baseball arcades uh, I will finish conversation season two. Um, uh, uh, Basically, I can pause menu. There's things to come still. This is not goodbye. This is see you next week. Uh, really. Um, uh, so, 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 stay tuned. Stay subscribed. Uh, 
we thank you and we'll talk more on 350 about kind of the end of, of everything um yeah. all right so let's uh shall we call it there yeah that sounds good do it all right very very cool guys um guys thank you for watching 349 episodes that's not bad um thank you for watching uh Fickner podcast uh today thank you for listening if you're listening um you can check out all sorts of things in our descriptions um such as all the wonderful shows such as our holiday annual Fickner's watches for loki invincible monarch star trek star trek lower decks um oh i meant to say something about star trek lower i shouldn't it's about it's i shouldn't do it i'll uh anybody i'll maybe i'll write something but i'll tell you guys after the recording um okay uh check out um uh uh book club or dr doom uh volume one and two and our cinephiles for godzilla minus one uh those are all linked below and you can of course check out all of our other shows on our website or on this channel if you're on if you're watching this on youtube all the links are still there um you can find them all um so there, you know animation station basement arcade basement arcade positive yeah, there's a lot of shows we did a lot of shows um uh you can also once again our patreon by the way deactivated you can no longer find the link to the patreon it's gone um frankly took me too long to do it <laughs> but it's gone now um and of course our tea public uh will be there for a while if you guys want want anything um it's all it's all there um want some mike matola merch um now that he's famous an emmy winning mike mike matola uh get a get a shirt designed by him um uh and you can find all of this on our website at victorpodcast.com as well as linked below um thank you to everyone who listens thank you to everyone who watches the live show and the rewind we greatly appreciate all of your support um all of your support uh, has been has been wonderful um thank you to jeremy Vellucci um for uh all the music you heard here today and all the music you hear for all of our shows um he's also the co-host of the real score if another episode of that uh comes out that, that we'll, we'll also promote that because uh, we've got a couple of those banked um you can find him at jeremy Vellucci underscore wreck of time as well as his podcast facebook.com slash suburban proctologist or instagram at subpark podcast um thank you to the emmy winning emmy award winning mike batola um who did our logo for fickner podcast as well as a few others such as conversation and fickner book club um uh, i really like my conversation logo that he did um and you can um uh, check him out at mike batola on uh tiktok uh threads and instagram uh, of course check out his line by line posters um, and check out, uh, what is the show? Gabby's Playhouse? Um, yes. If you've got kids, check out Gabby's Playhouse. And if you don't, you know, I know, maybe it's a bluey situation where, where parents like it too. <laughs> um, um, all right, guys. Uh, you can also check out Fictor Podcast on all the socials. Once again, stay subscribed. Uh, lots of cool news coming up, even though we're ending. Um, Fictor Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Fictorguys at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us personally. If you'd like to send us a letter about like, hey, what did the what did the show mean to you? Write us a letter. I'd love to read it out. I know you're not going to do it, but I like to I like to throw that out there anyway. Um, you can also find us. Uh, you can find me at BC McClure on Instagram and Twitter, um, where I also write infrequently for AtomicKingdom.com, which I hope to keep doing in the new year, um, regardless of whether or not the show continues. Uh, you can find Ben at Ben Magnet twenty seven on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. Uh, where he also writes for Old School Gaming Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Uh, uh, Sparks, where can people find you? You can also find him voicing Mary Frankenstein on DN Dark. <laughs> and you can find me at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Oh, DN Dark is still linked below. <laughs> I have to mention it today again. 
Um, Ryan? Yo, you could find me uh, uh, loving my friend, but also patiently awaiting to return to Arrakis uh, at DJ Tony Snark all over the internet. Subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, rate and review wherever you get us. Uh, like this video. Subscribe to this channel um, even now. Uh, and until next time we see us, guys. Um, oh, Jesus, we're doing this live. Um, stay fake, nerds. <laughs>